Next Chapter Podcasts. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is how you start an album. You come out with a banger. Dead Leaves in the Dirty Ground. It's by the White Stripes off their 2001 release, White Blood Cells. It's number 497 out of 500 on the 500 with Josh Adam Myers. Thank you from the bottom of my heart for tuning in, everybody, because you're tuning in to the only podcast where each week me and a guest go through Rolling Stone Magazine's top 500 albums list from Five Honey down to Numero Uno. And these are the final episodes. You've only got 496 more after this one because our expiration date is May 31st. 2028. This is it. I'm not making any more after May 31st, 2028. So make sure you paid for your Spotify's. Make sure you paid for your Apple Music. Make sure you paid for whatever way you guys listen to music. Stream these albums and then listen to the podcast. You don't even have to listen to the albums because the podcasts are standalone eps. But it always kind of helps. So from the bottom of my heart, I got to do this. Thank you, thank you, thank you for tuning in again. Tell your friends, tell your guidance counselor, tell the guy that works at Enterprise to subscribe to the podcast. Subscribe to the podcast. Please, please, please subscribe to the podcast and rate and review. That's a good song. Please subscribe to the podcast. Please subscribe to the podcast. Come on, motherfucker, subscribe. And don't forget to rate and review. It's like very, uh, it's very Oliver, you know. I, I did some musical theater back in the day. I did one play in high school. Didn't get the part I wanted. I threw a fit and never came back. Yep, Kitty Bradley, don't think I haven't forgotten. You know what? I'm going to go down to Seneca Valley today, find out if Kitty Bradley, the theater director, is there, and I'm going to go, see, Kitty, I turned out all right. I didn't need to be fucking Jorbet in Carnival. I didn't have to, because look at me. I'm a mildly successful comedian. I had my own TV show. I was cut out of it, but I had one. Thank you, everybody. Thank you for tuning in again. Uh, I love this so much, and I love all of you. So everybody that's reaching out and, and saying how much they're enjoying the 500, it means 
the world to me because this is a passion project. I'm going to do this shit on my own, regardless if you're listening or not. I want to experience these albums. I want to be moved, and I hope these albums and these podcasts have been moving and affecting you. Uh, so the people that are reaching out, I love you so, so much. Um, it's been a great week. I'm in Baltimore, Maryland right now. I'm home for Thanksgiving. Uh, so I'm going to be on my mom's couch doing dick. Nothing because my mom won't let me use her car because I wrecked two cars back in 1999. So I am stuck in Salisbury, Maryland uh, when I when I get out there uh, tomorrow. So uh, I'll be hanging out. The reason I came back to Baltimore was uh, Ryan Sickler and I were doing a couple shows at Jimmy's Famous Seafood. Um, it, it was incredible, man. The crowds were incredible. We sold out two nights of it. Um, and then we did a meet and greet. And, man, uh, I just want to give a shout-out to one guy in particular. All the fans that came out and told me how much they loved uh, the 500, told me how much they loved my episodes in the Crab Feast or the goddamn Comedy Jam or my stand-up, whatever. I appreciate each and every one of you. But one guy uh, really affected me, Joe Radke Jr. This dude came up and he just expressed how how important Ryan and myself and the Crab Fees have been to his life. And he started tearing up and then I started tearing up and then we were hugging each other. And it was just the most beautiful thing I'd ever been a part of because I had never seen how much uh, podcasts uh, mean to some people. And it, it just really, man, it just really touched me uh, in my heart. You thought I was going to say something else? Nope, it touched my heart. Get your heads out of the, the fucking sewer. Okay? No dirt, just beauty. I love that guy to do. So, Joe, if you're listening to this, uh, thank you so much for coming up. And expressing uh, how important um, we are to you. And that and that meant the world to me. Also, if you came to the jam last Thursday at the Roxy in Los Angeles, thank you for being a part of that show. Um, man, was it just incredible. Uh, Sklar Brothers killed it. Uh, Becky Robinson killed it. Jim Jeffries annihilated doing uh, Bohemian Rhapsody. Bill Burr coming from a benefit. And then rushed his ass over there. We fucking murdered the crowd doing Welcome to the Jungle. It, it was just such a fantastic show. Um, so thank you, everybody, that came out to that. That brings me to this week's guest, okay? This week's guest is one of my best friends and basically the reason I have a career. Um, I met this guy at the Unknown Theater, this little theater in Los Angeles is like the most important place to my career. It was run by a guy named Chris Kovics. He used to put on these really, really weird plays with these elaborate sets. Uh, and we, he, uh, Sarah Tiana and Laura Valdivia used to run this comedy show there every Sunday night. And right when I started stand-up, I found my way into that theater uh, with my buddy Angelo Bowers. And it was just a community, man. It was like the stand-up show was good. But after the stand-up show, there was this big jam of musical instruments where all the comics just would drink, smoke pot, and just perform shitty cover songs. And I wasn't very good at stand-up at the time. I, I was kind of like the ringleader of this, uh, this little jam session we did every Sunday night. And Chris Porter 
brought Bill to one of the jam sessions, and we hit it off, and um, and then we just kept in touch throughout the years. And then right, right in 2014, when I was like really depressed and I didn't know what I was going to do in my career anymore, I was thinking about moving to New York. I had done uh, New Faces in, in JFL. Um, which is like a big deal, but it was supposed to change my life. You know, I was like, oh my God, I got new faces. Like, I'm probably going to be able to quit my job and just, and just, you know, I'll just be a shooting star from that point on. Like, you know, fuck you, Spearmint Rhino. I'm never DJing again. That's what I thought, but it didn't happen. And so when I was like completely disillusioned and had no idea what to do anymore, I ran into this guy and uh, and I said, hey man, I got this show idea where comics go up, they do stand up, then they tell a story about a song and then they sing it with a live band. And Bill's like, I'm not singing, but I'll play drums. Uh, I shoot my special in June, set the show up for July. So he was the headliner on the first goddamn comedy jam. And from that moment on, uh, he's been one of my best buds. He gave me one of my first cartoon acting jobs. It was funny, too, because when I asked him to do this episode, I was like, I was like, hey, man, I was like, so I want you to do the White Stripes. And he's like, dude, I don't I don't fucking like the White Stripes. He's like, I mean, I like them, but I don't like love them. He's like, I want to do Led Zeppelin four. And I'm like, yeah, man, you can do Led Zeppelin four, but that's going to be in like eight years, bro. I need you now. And so he's doing it. You've seen this guest on his hit animated show, which I'm on. F is for family on Netflix. You know him from the Monday morning podcast. You know him from the front runner, which is in theaters now. Or maybe you know him from one of his incredibly hilarious specials on Netflix. Or if you really want to see something good, go back onto HBO Go and find his half hour. It is fucking hilarious. He's done probably 30 goddamn comedy jams. Each time dressing up as the drummer that he's performing as. One of the greatest comics working today, and that motherfucker is dressed like John Bonham, full-on wig, full-on mustache, same outfit, and then he goes up and he crushes his songs. Don't forget to listen to the end of the podcast where we are going to spotlight a new artist that was directly influenced by the White Stripes. Also, rate and review, and most importantly, subscribe to the 500, guys. So here you go. With number 497 out of 500, ladies and gentlemen, Bill Burr with the White Stripes, White Blood Cells. Well, you're in your little room and you're working on something good. But if it's really good, you're gonna need a bigger room. And when you're in the bigger room, you might not know what to do. You might have to think of how you got started sitting in your little room. Oh my god, what a great way to start this. That was it. That's how we're Bill Burr, finally. I realize this is going to take you so long. We're probably going to have a falling out and not be friends for like albums 375 That's to 225. Happening. Our reunion is around album 180. <laughs> and then when you retire like Carson, I'll show up. Album 497.
That's where it is. So we can. So this this will go well, and then we'll break apart right around four fifty one. But we'll re we'll get back together, Bill. I, I've said this a million times. I don't like you. I know. I know you don't. <laughs> no, I thought you were going to say that about me. No, I love you. I because of you, I have a career, dude. In this weird, weird way, just you doing the goddamn comedy jam is one of the the best fucking things that ever could have happened. Me running into you that night, if Chris Porter. Never brings you to the Unknown Theater to play drums with us that night. You would have met somebody else because you're driven. <laughs> but if you want to put all this weight on it, okay. I don't want to put all the weight on I, it. You know, I, just, I, went, I went to you, the top of the observatory and I said, give Josh Adam Myers a career. <laughs> I commanded Hollywood. It's going all and right I so said, far. who is that crazy bald man on top of that wonderful structure? And I was arrested and spent three days in jail and you never came to bail me out. You're welcome for your career. Thank you, buddy. Thank you so much. You are a huge music fan. I think that's kind of where we started to connect on. Is I, am. That, I don't go too deep. Well, that's what I was going to ask. Like, what did you? I'm all up? over the place. You, but no, I don't, actually, I, I skim, dude. I skim. No, I don't. I don't think that's true because I was thinking I'm about. I'm as free I, as a bird now. I was thinking about all the songs that you've done, and they're all in the same genre. All the songs. So Bill has done the goddamn comedy jam. You've done it like a lot fucking, of goddamn times. A lot of goddamn times. And I was just thinking of some of the shit that you did. Custard Pie by Zeppelin, Dr. Feelgood by Motley Crue, Paradise City, Guns N' Roses, Highway to Hell, <laughs> Cowboys from Hell, Rhinosaur. A lot of hell. Sweet Emotion. Rhinosaur was a bit of a departure. I actually got out of the 80s and the late 70s. And, and you picked, I, the, and most the, 60s, obs- and you and picked the, the most obscure alt-rock song that you literally preface it to the audience like, all right, so I'm about to do this song. Only now, two you guys people like Soundgarden? <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, you know all those ones you love? This is one you're not going to know, but this fucking – you should know this song. I just thought it was like in five or something, and it's still – like I, I was – I'm obsessed with that. Oh, I never told this story. What's that? On any podcast. I actually had an idea for a character on F is for Family for Chris Cornell. That you were going to have him do his I voice? I kept pitching it in the room, and everybody thought it was kind of funny, but every – like any musician friend I had loved the idea. So it was basically, he was going to play the character. Uh, you know, Kevin plays guitar on the yeah. show, right? Yes. So he was going to play this character where, you know, the local guy that just, the, he's the best guy in town, but for some reason he just never made it. And sometimes it's because he didn't leave town. Mm-hmm. Sometimes he got distracted by a relationship. Sometimes he does drugs. It's always, drugs, just, it's always drugs, kids, or family. Woman, just something fucked him up and he got off track, right? All of a sudden he's driving a UPS yeah. truck, right? So, Which is a great job, by the so way, if you drive guy the UPS. This guy did so. not step in any of those pitfalls. Falls. His downfall, he was the greatest singer and should have made it, but his downfall was he couldn't sing in common time. He could only sing in five or seven. So then he was going to, he, he was going to, you know, almost pop music is in four. So he was going to get together with Kevin and all his band, and they'd have this great frontman lead singer, but he would be singing in seven as they were playing in four. But if you do the math, like every four bars, it comes back around when yeah. he's on the one. Yeah. So when he went like, actually, he would stop on the eighth note of four. That would be his one, as, and then they would be like an eighth note off. And he would just always look back and was going to yell, don't worry, it's going to come around again. And he was going to keep singing the song. So... Funny thing enough, like all my ideas, it's been done before. I didn't realize Frank Zappa, I saw this clip. I can't remember if somebody told me that after I told the idea or if I just stumbled upon it watching some Terry Bozio, probably Vinnie Colaiuta or something. Yeah. I, they were playing this song as Frank Zappa, so it was like in fucking 1917 or so. Whatever the fuck, I don't even know, 17, I don't even know. 
what the fuck they were playing. And the singer was singing in four. So he had to kind of just like be his own clock, you know? Yeah. After, you know, whatever. He's singing in four after the first four beats and he goes back to one and they're continuing playing or however the fuck it worked. And it was, it was incredible. And it was funny. You listen to it. It still sounded great, but something just sounded a little off. Dude, I can't tell you how many like obscure music ideas I've had and somebody's already done them. You know what's funny that you mentioned Soundgarden, like, and how complicated the, the the band is. Well, we were doing one of the jams. I remember, like, two days before the show, I went up to Joel and I was like, "Dude, I want to do Outshine. That's what I want to play." And then I left, and the next day we had rehearsal. And when I showed up, him and Nick were so mad at me because they were like, "Dude, we're not trained monkeys. That is a that is a that is progressive rock. Do you understand how hard it is to learn that beat and play that song?" And I didn't right. even I didn't even hear it. Like, and now that I listen do it i'm like oh and we did rhinosaur i'm like oh yeah they do have a different time signature and this is is the thing about like from what i understand is like that was a natural thing yeah they didn't do that on purpose like you can you can kind of hear a band that's doing that on purpose yeah you know what i mean Mm -hmm. it's usually you know the drummer has like you know a twenty thousand piece kit and there's the bass player with you know i play a 12 string bass and shit (laughs) let's see like those bands you know what i mean there's all nerds and no chicks there yeah that's when they're doing it on purpose (laughs) But when they actually do it organic, it's like you don't even you don't really unless you're really like into music. Yeah, you don't even you don't even notice. And I saw something recently. I was listening to Nikki Six. He had this thing that he was doing. Like, oh, what the hell is this? Something about like guitar riffs. So he had all these great guitarists. I saw this one was Slash and Slash. I think he was talking about when he was with Velvet Revolver that he had come in and he had this cool riff. He goes, but it was in seven. Somebody, what song is that? Set me free. No, they didn't do it. They they ended up air quote fixing it and putting it in four. And I was thinking like. Oh, I wish just yeah. to switch it up, put it in yeah. seven. What did you grow up listening to? I mean, is that the music that you gave me for the jam or all those songs which you grew up listening to? Like, what is your history? Because you play drums. So how did all of that, you know, get you to picking these songs that you did for the jam? Brother or like? It was just all drummers that I wanted to be when I was growing up. When I didn't like who I was and I was too afraid to talk to chicks in my grade. Yeah. And I used to like not talk. To, all I had to do, looking back, all I had to do was just say hello. If I literally, yeah, but it's if so- I literally <laughs> did that for like six days and came out of my shell, I, I, I think I would have been funny enough that, you know, I, I could have just lived a normal life. But it's so I really could have just I... lived a normal life. But instead, I felt like I had to do something on a stage. Like I was always thinking that. And if I listened to music or I listened to a comedian or I watched sports, anything great that I saw on TV, I'd yeah. be, the next day I'd be doing my paper route, fantasizing that I would be doing that in front of all the people that I knew. And then the girl that I had a crush on saw me do it. But even and in the fantasy, yeah. I in still the... never talked to her. <laughs> in the fantasy, you just walk by her, give her a look. No, she just she's... saw me. It was like, wow, that guy's really cool. <laughs> and that's where it ended so you never wanted to get with him you just wanted to impress him you just wanted the no, girl I, to go I, I, yeah, I, look at no, Bill. I was that fucking introverted <laughs> that even in the fantasy it was too much to say hello to him <laughs> so i say you know what's funny as like, i'm going through what kind of got me to start doing this was that i started like realizing like why do i get nervous doing these things that i love when i know one day i'm gonna die like i should be enjoying every moment so then i started going through all these like existential crisis prep things and like the long and short of it is this, is that like, I want to find, you know, the girl of my dreams. When I see a girl out, I'm going to ask her out and I see them all the time and I go, eh, maybe the next one. And I just keep moving. I just, I'm going to say you something. Do to it. You're, I, you're, I fucking, you're up there singing songs no, going I, fucking nuts. No, at the jam is one thing. The jam is one thing. I'm talking about the Gelsons by Improduce. Oh, then you know all you got to, you, you know, how did, sh- how, how did you learn how to be a comedian? You went up on stage. I went up and I failed. Yes. I, that's I, what I you failed have to do. for many years. I still fail now, but it's like, at least now I know to handle the failure a lot better. 
I got over my fear, all that. I just accepted bombing. And I treated bombing with women the same way I treated bombing on stage, which I would immediately call Patrice or Keith uh, or Bobby. And I would tell them the story and then they would laugh and tease me or whatever and then tell a story of how they bombed or whatever. I just started doing that with women. Like, oh, my God, I just fucking said this to this chick and she fucking looked at me like I had three heads or whatever. And yeah, it was super embarrassing. But like, it was only it only took like six weeks, and then I don't know. It just doesn't bother you anymore, and you see the humor yeah. of it. No, you see, see the patheticness you of walking around. Like, do you like me? Because I like you. <laughs> oh, okay. It's just just. It's inherently funny. It's so funny. So how did you start getting into this, like, hair... I wouldn't want to call it hair metal band stuff, but you're obsessed. The bands that you grew up listening to, Zeppelin, ACDC, you know, like, how did you... I, here's dr- the thing. I grew up the first, I would say, real band, because mm-hmm. my mother was in charge of buying my albums at first, so I Wait, had, What do you mean? She, you had I, to ask her to do it? Well, or? I didn't have any money. Well, of course, so but, you, st- but you could, like... Stick an album under my little shirt? No, Try but, to walk out? <laughs> <laughs> no, but I mean, like... I I would tell my mom I was like I want the I want the new Bon Jovi record Slippy When Wet. How old? And were I went. You? I remember the first albums that I ever got were uh, Run DMC, Raisin Hell, and then Bon Jovi Slippy When Wet. So whenever so they 84, came out, 85, 86, 84, so 85. I'm 38 now, so I think I was like about, eight? about six, seven. Actually, if it's 84, that's, that's 85, very, it's 84, did 85. you have older brothers and sisters? I had an older sister who was two years older than me. But she was she wasn't really She's into already music. selling like, weed. She, no, my, she had dude, a killer my, no. album collection. Dude, my sister. <laughs> imagine. All right, so me, and then imagine me, but uh, as a woman with her life completely together, and is a doctor, and married to a district attorney, and has never gotten in trouble, and has three kids. And wow. doesn't holidays got to be a little rough. Back no, no, home. it's great. We actually get along really well. It's no, I'm actually just saying how the parents are like, what did we do with this one? No, no, no. But but I made more money than her in 2017. And I can now stand proud <laughs> and know that as a comedian, <laughs> I made more money than my sister. She beat me uh, in 2018. But so far, but you're like th- the 55 Brooklyn Dodgers when the bums finally won one. We right? finally won That's one. Right. You beat she, the Yankees. She's 37 and one. But I got one on her. There you and go. I'm fine That's with it. that. No one can chant. No, but my sister never got into music. She was always into like like the Beatles, and she was into. I remember the Bengals. Those were the albums she had. I was always the drawn Bangles. to rock. Walk like an Egyptian. The Bengals are a football team. And you know what's hilarious? Paul Verzi calls the Bengals the Bengals, and I always go, "That is a female." <laughs> what, what did I call them? You it's called not, the. You, what you, are they? You said the Bengals. The Bengals. Yeah. The Bengals. The Bengals. That's B- what I said. A N G. It's the same fucking like thing. Gun, bang. But it just with my Maryland what accent. Is, what sound does a gun make? Bang bang. <laughs> <laughs> bang bang. Bang bang. I shot them dead. Bang bang. Who sings Our Lips Are Sealed? The Go Go's. That's the one you're obsessed yeah, with. That's dude. the one that you keep calling. That song fucking <laughs> rocks. I love it. But then you listen to the lyrics, so it's just like, yeah. I haven't gotten to the lyrics. People dude, are always talking shit. You know what's funny is that this is and the I think fir- they put it together succinctly. This is the first album that I actually, this album that we're going to talk about is the first album that I really studied, and I mean studied the lyrics. Oh, so we never got back to what it, so my mother, yeah, would, get to that. she bought me uh we, This is so funny because both of us have ADD horribly. So no, no, this but is I, gonna- I pay attention when I'm on this shit. Oh, you do? Yeah. Because I Try to so we never my... really wrapped up how the fuck you knew about that music at six and eight. If your fucking older sister was already, no, I, a you know how I know how I knew because I listened to DC one hundred and one. I was always drawn to music. My dad listened at to music, six. dude. I was playing like piano at like four, dicking around, and I was playing guitar by like seven, eight, and then drums. I think I picked. Dude, you're up. like one of those Asian kids. You can play like a concert by the time they're three. If if my parents were a little bit stricter, I might have been able to do that. But is they that gave what the up. problem they didn't is push over here? me. They didn't push me. 
they would have pushed me. If you I'd go be on YouTube, I'm telling you. Joshua when, when, when Bell. When kids, I'm telling you. They're the blue chip, number one draft pick. The Asian kids? They crush it. You see that little Asian girl playing Good Times, Bad Times? I've been trying to play this all my whole life. She played it so well, Robert Plant was watching it going, yeah, she's, she, goes, look, she goes, look at her. She's playing it like she fell off a log. It's like some old expression, like it's nothing. That's hysterical. Uh, we all wish we could have an Asian child. So, so back to you. So how did you? How did you? How did you get? So my the, mother, let's your brother, go so my mother bought me like sing along with Mitch Miller in the game. The sing- so what was that? That was just like roll out the barrel. Won't you come home, Bill. Oh, okay. Please don't just sit there. Come on and sing. I put two eyes of blue. You know what those five foots can do. I'm listening to that shit. I'm six years old. I'm listening to fucking Lawrence Welk, Winchester Cathedral. The Four Freshmen, stuff like that. Like the Kingston Trio. It takes a worried man to sing a worried song. It takes a worried man to sing a worried song. Kingston Trio. This is all the shit Mickey my dad Finn, to Dixieland, oh, Barbershop yeah, Quartets, Ted the, Heath and his orchestra. All the music where somebody has to go to set like the tones or the keys or everybody knows. Yeah, by the way, it's 40 people all playing at the same time. We're incredible. I have some of those albums because I bought them on eBay. And uh, I'll tell you right now, if a fucking killer album. Yeah. Ted Heath, uh, Swing is King. Ronnie Varrell, rest his soul on drums, who also, he played the drums for Animal. Whenever you saw Animal, that was him. Oh, from the Muppets. Now we see who best. So my first real, I'm coming to school singing Roll Out the Barrel. It's really not making me any friends. (laughs) I need to know what's up. Uh, I got Aerosmith's greatest hits. And I bought it when Aerosmith was broken up, when, when Stephen was still in. It was that Jimmy Crespo guy. It was like a couple guys from yeah. Aerosmith stuck around, you know, and then Joe Perry was doing Joe Perry Project. So they put out a Greatest Hits album in the interim uh, while they were, you know, cleaning up their lives before they came back with Done With Mirrors. So that was the first one I got. Yeah. But I got into Zeppelin late. I didn't like him when I first heard him. Zeppelin? It was, it was too, yeah, it was too advanced from what I was. Dude, I went from, yeah, fucking, you know. Listen, soul of a woman was created. <laughs> I was just like, what the fuck is this? The reverse echoes and stuff. It was, it was, it was a lot to listen to. I remember, so, I remember when I, the first time I heard Led Zeppelin, my cousin had uh, Led Zeppelin four, uh, and it was just in his tape player, and it was like Passover dinner, and I snuck away to his room and just would like push play on the tape player to start the album, and then I'd put his humidifier on because I thought it looked like the smoke effect. <laughs> <laughs> but it's definitely you were di- a cool kid, man. I was. I was I, not. I was. I was. I wasn't that. I was cool. I was just wild, and I actually wish I still had some of that that fearlessness that I had back then because now no, it's don't like, do that. That's how you die. No, no, no. Not not when it comes to like doing stupid shit, but. Like we were talking about going out and talking to a woman, like it's like I. Oh still, yeah, do that. I'm talking about being fearless on stage, like being able, and I feel like I'm getting there now with what I'm starting going to talk to the about. produce section and not being self conscious. 
I just don't like being out in public so many so much. And when I go to the supermarket, I feel like it's just such an awkward place to be that I don't think that a woman would want me to hit on her. And even that's when I, the place to hit on them. Don't do it at the, the the worst fucking place ever is to actually go out to a bar where they have their guard up. You got to catch them sleeping. Man. They're looking at the turnips. I know. God. Then you come in with a little bit of charisma. Who goes into the grocery store thinking they're gonna laugh? Yeah, I know. And you put a smile on their face. You know, they but, see but, you're into food. You're cooking. But in this day and age, like you I have dress to be a little very nicer, well. This is like I told you this. This is my breakdown, like, midday outfit. I'm wearing, uh, what do you call these? Uh, Capri pants right now, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, that's where I'm at. Yeah, you look like you stumbled out of rehab. I mean, in some weird way, I did. In some <laughs> weird <laughs> So you grew up listening to Led Zeppelin. What was that like, hearing Led Zeppelin for the no, first I time? No, I didn't. Oh, I, you was, didn't. This, I ended up getting a job in a warehouse. All these, these burnouts gradually got hired over there from, like, Walpole, Massachusetts. And, like, I came from a jock town. So it was all about sports and like people loved music, but you didn't think you could do it. Mm-hmm. And then these kids showed up and they, they, you know, they were kids. We were 17, 18 and they're playing guitar and they're playing all this shit on the radio. I'm like, you can, like, I was like, oh, wow. Is that one of the two times in my life where I was just like, oh, you can just learn how to do that? That's yeah. not, cause I, cause that was before YouTube. These people were like invisible. There was no MTV. Well, maybe there was MTV. There was, but it was, they were definitely way far away from you. Yes. They started putting on WZLX, which was the classic hit station, and then, and then it was, cr- and they they were more like Crosby, Stills and Nash, with some Zeppelin and all that in the warehouse. That's what they're. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so they they were this weird sort of f- f- more folky. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Grab the package. Yeah. Take it to the car right now. So we had this thing in the warehouse when you were working the scale was shipping. You controlled the radio. Fuck, everybody wanted the scale then. Yeah, so... How often were you on the scale? Once a week, you'd get the scale, and then it was just... Yeah, and I would put on, like, fucking... <laughs> you put on the four freshmen. No, 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 no. This is I would put on, like, fucking, you know, ACDC at, like, 8 in the morning on a Monday, and, like, I remember this guy coming over who was just fucking so hungover, he almost puked at a barrier. He shut it, too. It's fucking too early for that shit. Yeah. I think I put on Maiden or something like that. Fuck, But yeah, then, then there was this one guy. He, he was, like, a cool dude, but he was also an asshole. He, when he was on the scale, I still remember it was, like, Thursdays, and it was called Edie All Day. And he would put the Edie Brickell New Bohemians tape in for the whole fucking day. And we just flip. Oh, I love that song. Just torturing us. I don't know why we put up with that. But there was just something yeah, hilarious. You would think, you would think that, a, that a group of guys could be like, all right, dude, turn that shit off. Like, put, can you at least. Does no, she have any it, other it records? It's the structure because then someone could do that on my day. I get it. No, I get so it. And, you just, and, you just and had respect a, the rule. Respect the rule. I dig that. Yeah. I definitely dig that. So somebody started putting on Led Zeppelin for you yep, then? Yeah, and then I saw these guys playing so i tried to play guitar and i really just sort of psyched myself out of it that it was too hard drums seemed more like sports like i was growing up you know hit this and it was very physical and then i got into that and then i just went into this like you know like someone just goes into drugs for like 20 30 years oh yeah me yeah (laughs) yeah i I went into like this john bonham fixation like he just i i just the more i i I heard him play the more live stuff i saw them and then there wasn't, he only, he did a couple of interviews early on. So even just hearing the sound of his voice when I finally heard like YouTube and I realized that, oh, that's him talking on In My Time of Dying. That's yeah. him, you know, or him counting off. You know, I'm, I'm so naive. I didn't realize like, yeah, the drummer counts off the song. So sure. the ocean, that's him saying, but I, I just didn't know, right? And then I started taking lessons again. And what's funny is I ended up taking drum lessons from this guy, uh, like a 72 year old Armenian guy who used to call himself the last of the great Armenian trap. Drummers. Frank Shushan was his name. What's up, Frank? Yeah, well, he was 72 back then. I lost touch with him. He'd be almost 100. Rest now, in so. peace, Frank. Yeah, I don't know. We love I mean, you. I don't know. 
You never know. We love you. You were miss. (laughs) (laughs) So he he grew up, was a big band guy. Yeah. And so he got me into all of that shit. And it was weird because I really wanted to kind of play the Zeppelin shit. But I kind of got in, fell in with him, which was a great, ended up being this great bass because I had been listening to those songs and everything. So it kind of put some swing in whatever I was playing. Mm-hmm. But it was sort of a classic me thing where I was just like, but I want to be doing this, but this guy's teaching me this. So I'm not, I never expressed it to him because if I did, he would have taught it to me. Mm-hmm. But he was just like, yeah. oh, this, here's a kid who's just into what the fuck I'm into. So, and that's who I was back then. What are you into? I'm into whatever you're into so you don't beat the <laughs> fuck out of me. Like that was basically my yeah. mindset from being a kid with, you know, orange sure. hair. What's up, everybody? I am Finn McKenty, host of the Punk Rock NBA podcast, part of the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. My podcast is all about doing what you love for a living, and every week I sit down and talk to people who have done exactly that. For example, musicians like Tommy from Between the Buried Me, Matt from Periphery, Lil Lotus and Shinigami, among many others, photographers, artists, designers, YouTubers like Glenn Fricker and Sarah Dietschy, and I unpack exactly how they got to where they are today with the goal of helping you do the same. So if that sounds cool, you can listen and subscribe at soundtalentmedia.com and I'll see you there. Hello out there. Yes, we're out there, everyone. I'm Hal Schwartz. And I'm Flynn McClain. Together we host None But the Brave, a podcast dedicated to the music and career of Bruce Springsteen. Bruce and E Street Band are on tour right now for the first time in six years, and we're taking a detailed look at what's happening on stage in our bi-weekly episodes. We've also been recently joined by some very exciting guests, including rock journalist Warren Zanes and Stephen Hyden, Backstreet's Magazine founder Charles Cross, and Barstool's Kirk Menahan. If you're a diehard Springsteen fan, this is the show for you. So please subscribe to Nimba the Brave on your favorite podcasting platform, and we hope to see you further on up the road. Thank you so much! We'll be seeing you! That's why I always hated those fucking punk kids. Why? Because they come in with the blue mohawk and they thought they were badass. I always want to be like, hey, buddy, you can wash that out. You're like, you're like stuck you, you, with you us. can walk away from this life whenever you want. <laughs> are there right, any? So are there, fuck you and your safety pins and this whole fucking horse shit that you can just literally, you can literally wash that out, shave there, it down to a whiffle, and dress like Malcolm Young. And the next day you could walk in with a bunch of football players and not have a fucking problem. That's true. Are there any redhead rock stars that are like super famous? Like yeah, guys? Josh Homme. Who? Josh Homme. Um, I mean, he's, is that really? He's, he's a ginger? He, yeah, as far as I can tell. Or is that light blonde hair? I think it's light blonde, dude. Either way, he's dreamy. He is dreamy. He's like 6'9", though. He's like a power <laughs> forward. So that's so so by that point, you were when you started getting into Zeppelin, you were already Cindy into drums? Cindy Lauper? I don't know no, if that was real. Windows, no, She colored her she I almost said the hair. windows don't match the drapes. That's how dumb I am. People, you Anybody can make it in show business. That's my goal here, to let you know that. The guy from Simply Red. And I think I the, what was no? Didn't he do the deep thing? into your eyes and I? Is that what this? I'm, I, you know what? I had to. I had to do a palate cleanser because I've listened to this what about record. The guy from Coldplay. No, he's blonde. I'm he's just, uh, no, he's not. dark. He's dark hair. Chris Martin is dark hair. I'm Who trying to Nikki think. Six. Nikki Six. I have no. no idea. He's been he's been dying his hair black since he was <laughs> since he could be any, he could be any further away from no being a redhead. Raven have, black hair. I have no idea. What any of their hair looks like. Um, Axel Rose, Jesus Christ. There it is. Where do we go now? <laughs> ah, aye, aye. Yep, I just bought the 30, 30th anniversary 
of that album with my with my favorite fucking drummer of the 80s, rock drummer, Steven Steve Adler. Adler. Which we're going to be doing, though I don't know what number that is on the list, but when, when I ask you to do this record. That's when we have our falling out when you don't invite me. Dude, you're going to do, Coma, what is it, Coma? Is that the fucking Led Zeppelin record that was kind of shitty? The one? Coda. Coda. Coma. I've never been a big Led Zeppelin fan, dude. I'm getting into them so I can talk to you more and, and connect with you. But I've always liked the hits. I wouldn't say it's shitty. It's not shitty, but, was there, but, it, but that's like the one that's Darling, like... Darling. Which is the bad one? Presence? No. Presence is incredible. See, I got to start listening. I, I kind of like... I've listened to the one, two, three. Listen, I listen to all the I'm hits. too... Pre- Look, he put together an album after Bonham died. It was shit that they listened to. They're like, eh, it's yeah. good, but we don't want to release that. And then he put it out. It, for, for you know fans, it was nice. Yeah. So what are you listening to do now? Like, what's the kind of music? Because I remember we were in your car. Uh, we were coming back from smoking a bat. And yes. you, uh, you were you put on like uh, your friend's band, and it was like it wasn't it was rock, but it was like adult contemporary. Again, <laughs> you started to get into the Michael McDonald part of your life, where you're just like you're listening to Anita Baker, like sweet I, I, love. I will. What is that? I am fascinated. There's no type of music that I'm not, fa- including like DJ music. I'm just fascinated by like what are people hearing. You know what I mean? That I'm that I'm missing. Like what what yeah. music did I not listen to get caught up that I'm that out of touch? By the way, I got to give a shout out. Me and Nia just saw uh, that movie Eighth Grade, Bo Burnham's oh, movie. Is it great? Oh my god! And the way he uses music in that movie is incredible. And I actually stayed through the credits to see because you know he's they so do ArcLight Presents, yeah, to see if he he did some of the uh, the music. But um, it's such an incredible. It's fucking. Is that good? It's really good. And what I loved was the way he used the music to show like the, like every small event is just so huge when you're that age. It's oh, like yeah. it's like you and Gelson's. Like I would love to hear Bo Burnham's like score your thoughts when you're thinking of talking to that woman in 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 the Gelson's man. It's- now I got to see it, man. I've been wanting to see. It. I actually I I was gonna go see it, and then I went to see uh, Mission Impossible 14 or whatever. It was, I got to see that too, which was fantastic. I got to see. I, gotta I really see, I gotta think, see Tom Cruise fucking dude, kill it in the helicopter. He, I'm, oh, you love that? Oh, it's it's a, he did he learned how to fly. To do that scene. He is an insane person. He, he, dude, Scientology must have something on him, and he just wants to die, but he doesn't want to kill himself. So he's just like, he's like, what's the scene? Can no, you set me on fire? He just, Put me on he fire? gets into shit, man. I love him. I, I've never disliked him. I want to know where you go to learn. How, like, I, I've seen that there's places where for airplanes you can learn, like, stunt flying. I mean, I imagine. You the, learn it? I Did imagine you're... the first, dude, I don't, I don't even have 200 hours yet. But, you, dude, you're at the point of your life, and you got enough money, you can be like, I want to learn how to stunt fly, and you fucking learn how to stunt fly, dude. No, you know what Mike Gelson's is? I'm afraid to go to airports that I haven't <laughs> been to before because I don't know where the fuck I'm going. So when I go to land and they take, you know, you know, follow Hotel to Alpha, blah, 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 and they're trying to, like, refuel, and, like, the guys, they just do the hand gestures like I'm supposed to know what the fuck that means. <laughs> I can't remember that from ground school. I've just been flying around making sure, you know. You just fly, fly over. All I see is from yours and Nia's Instagrams from when you do it is you fly over really big homes and you guys just go, it's fucking beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> no, there's all like I can like, you know, transition airspace and all that. And there's like like four or five airports that I am familiar with. But then there's there's some people that just like they're mean 
air traffic the, controllers. The, uh, okay. Yeah, well, and you he, know, there's, just like, there's dicks uh, in every profession. And it's just like, yeah, they're intimidating when you don't know what you're doing. But if you know what you're doing, you, 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 you know, you're just like, all right, he's a little grumpy or whatever. It's like the first time you get a heckler or whatever. But they'll be, you know. No, no, yeah, you whatever. We're, we're, are we ever going to talk about the album? We're yeah, because like, we okay. set it up, and then oh. we, and then when I dive into it, oh, we're fucking in, bro. We're in deep water. We're not there yet, but I'm still trying to figure out your musical background. Okay. So, what do you listen to? What's the full gamut of music you're normally listening to? All right. You know, let's let's just look at my last few downloads. Perfect. Why don't we do this? I'll well, let you, I know I'll some let of your you favorite band. While you do that, some of your favorite bands that I know: Led Zeppelin, ACDC. Guns and Roses, you got it. You love Pantera, uh-huh. so you you're kind of you know you're like me. I mean we're we're about you know ten eleven well, years I'm wired apart, but in a way, just the way I grew up, uh-huh. you know where it was just I just grew up in a sports town. I grew up you get into fights. I mean nothing like so you, you need know, a soundtrack crazy, for that. And you but it a, was just like yeah. there was an aggression to the part of the country that I grew up. I don't want to be like this. <laughs> I really don't. I would, you know, I, I to this day, I, I see Birkenstocks and they look so comfortable and but I want to buy them. I can't because in my head, I'm like, I'm going to get the shit kicked out of me. Nobody's going to kick your ass yeah, anymore. But Let I actually go. think therapeutically, if I just put on a pair of those things. <laughs> it would be a breakthrough. Yeah, I think I would have a breakthrough. I feel like it's the Robin Williams scene uh, from uh, Good Will Hunting where I'm like, it's not your fault, all dude. Right, dude. This is all over the map. All right. So I, no, download, I downloaded some white stripes because that was white blood cells. And then uh, the White Stripes, their first album, mm-hmm. just that song. I fought Piranhas because I, I just I loved it. Oh, it's great. Uh, then I uh, Nick Cave. Uh, I downloaded Nick Cave. Uh, what is this one called? The Boatman's Call. The Blue, the Blues Brothers, Carnival. Uh, who's this guy here? Oh, so- Al Green. So you would say your your musical taste is greatest, is is pretty is pretty TV wide themes, Rockford Files, Streets of San Francisco, Valley Girls soundtrack. Do you definitely have like Joy a sh- Div- yeah, yeah. Joy Division, Unknown Pleasures? So it's a wide variety. Journey. You have, the, you have like don't the, stop believing. You have the shotgun of musical taste. It's a widespread Metallica. <laughs> it's everything. Of puppet. So you got everything. Fish rift. <laughs> <laughs> Bell Biv no, DeVoe no, what Poison is, What this is No I just see like when I go through Beethoven's periods, Ninth Symphony No but then I go through these periods of just revisiting my childhood Led Zeppelin Coda Couple Iron Maidens Couple Def Leppards Yes, yeah, cause that's the Here, shit dude Here's one Leaf Hound You gotta get into them Tell them dude listeners. Growers of Mushrooms Gotta get that one Then, uh, then Slayer Another Leaf Hound Two more Slayers Oh then a White Snake Here I go again That's because we were gonna do that song that was oh my god, and then and then a couple of uh, Panteras, Janet Jackson, Rhythm Nation, Jeff Beck. See what I love, and because this actually the Birdman soundtrack. I was supposed to see that guy play those drums live, and I fucking. What I love it. is that you actually answered the next question. Mashuga, Mashuga, that's a great band. Mashuga, that's one of the sickest concerts I've ever seen. You so what, actually you answered my next question, which was how do you think music you can associate with particular emotions and periods in your life but it's just there is a thing about growing up on the east coast it was like even the hip-hop 
like when I was when I was a teenager in like the late nineties and like there was like Wu Tang and Biggie and it was it was just much more like harder if you want to call it that EPMD a little tougher and then you go out to California where it's just it's laid back baby and we're here to set you know what right. I mean just very like the gangster stuff so but it's I just, feel like you could get killed out here way easier yes. But, I judge it just by sporting events. But like as, everybody, everybody has this this feeling that California is this soft place. I'm telling you. I don't you, think it's soft. Don't come but, out here and wear the hat of the other team. No. If you want to have an enjoyable afternoon. Biggie Smalls. Now, whenever I hear that first album, which you can't get anymore. Ready to die? You uh, No, that was the second one. What was, the, was the first one, Ready to Die? The first one was Ready to Die. The second one was life, life After Death or Live After Death. Okay, okay. Uh, yeah, Ready to Die because uh, – Puffy, as he was called back then, didn't have the rights to a lot of those samples. So he got sued and all that shit. So, and I actually used to have it on cassette. I don't have it anymore. It's, still, it's on this list. But actually, I think both of Biggie's albums are on this list. But he, he, that album reminds me of Patrice O'Neill. Whenever I hear that, because we used to drive up to the Kowloon. He didn't, have a, he didn't even have a driver's license. He was just a city kid. Yeah. And I remember being just, I thought that was the funniest fucking thing ever. That he was like 22. Like, you don't have a fucking driver's license? I just kept laughing at him. He was laughing. He goes, Bill, I'm in the city, man. This bus, there's a train. Just motherfuckers don't get licenses. You know what I mean? <laughs> the fuck? If I lived out in the suburbs, I would have got one, right? So um, I used to give him rides. I used to drive into to West Roxbury where he lived, and mm-hmm. I would pick him up. And, and he was the one. You know, that I would test out my rap tapes on. I'd put it in if he looked at me and just, you know, he would just take the tape and throw it out the window. And I'd be like, all right, I guess that's some corny shit. And then I remember I had uh, Ice What was cubes. he throwing out? Wait, what ice was he cubes. throwing out? Ice tea. He threw out ice tea? Ice tea power. <laughs> he threw out ice tea? He just like, man, he goes, motherfucker, he goes, this is corny shit. Nobody gives a fuck <laughs> about this guy. And I was just like, I don't know, power. man. I kind of like power. He didn't throw power. that one out. I forget what. Probably like Young MC or something. Yeah, bust a move. That's 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 pretty. I stand pretty, by that album. Really, the rhymes are a little silly, but the fucking. I just like dressed in that. yellow. She says hello. Come next to me, you fine fellow. Okay, but a lot of it was kind of like that way. Well, yeah, I mean, you there know. was a lot of silly shit. <laughs> yeah, dude. There was a lot of silly shit. Yeah, but you're pumping that. The guy with the big You're pumping that with like a 350-pound black guy that doesn't have a license at 40. The Humpty Dance. I love Shakti. I love that I song. Love, I do. I love that know. song. Anyways, I love it. I love that song too. But anyways. Anyways. Uh, I remember the first one he actually liked was uh, I had Ice Cube, America's Most Wanted. Fuck yeah, dude. And That's he, a hard song. And he it's looked tough. At, he it's, looked at me. I was like, oh, fuck. He's going to throw this out. And he was like, you fuck with this shit? And I was like, yes, <laughs> I fuck with this shit. Um. Yeah, but there's so then, definitely there's definitely a vibe that the East Coast. And then I and helped New York, him with his white music. What music is he like? Well, then he we, got totally into Led Zeppelin, which we, I couldn't fucking believe he was gonna because they were ripping off all this blue shit. I thought he was gonna be like, man, this is just this guy, this guy. But if you look at Patrice towards the end of his life, he was really getting into some old blue stuff. And there's this great clip of him on the old Opie and Anthony mm-hmm. show of um, singing this blues song with with uh, the the guy who took over for Dickie Betts and uh, the Allman Brothers. Uh, uh, what the fuck's his name? I don't know. Incredible player. Uh, I just fucked up because I don't know his name. But I think he, he probably, you know, you get into a band, and you're like, oh, that's a cover of this. When Zeppelin finally started writing Howlin' Wolf instead of Page Plant yeah. on their albums, <laughs> then you're actually able to trace it back. <laughs> so I think that he he was able to do that. So, so definitely, you think that the that that's just like, like growing up on the East Coast has kind of like set you into that path of music, right? Like growing up listening. It to It affected Zeppelin. the kind of comedian that sure. I was. 
the kind of music, whether I, I wear sandals or not. It's just, you yeah. know, where you're from is definitely, there's a, uh, yeah, I it was a, I, don't, I think it's one of the reasons people say, you know, why, why, are, why are there so many comics from the Boston area? Why are people so funny from that area? It's just, it's a, it's just a hilarious, massively dysfunctional place to grow up in. And sure. any little stupid fucking thing, it's like all of a sudden the, the bus rolls over you. And so there was always that you could never get comfortable. And there's something about those sandals. I think I just think that I'm just. I'm, be, I know what I'm, I'm getting gonna, you. I'm going to be too comfortable. I'm getting you a pair of Birkenstocks. I swear <laughs> to fucking God. So what did you know about the White Stripes before I told you to listen to this record? After I'd even given it to you, I was just like, oh, this will be something that I think he'd like and we'd be able to talk about. But then the more that I listened to the record, that was the more I was like, oh, wow. Like, there's a lot of shit. But uh, we'll get into that. Like, No, what I, I have always loved uh, the White Stripes and Jack White's music and all of his bands and shit. Like, I've, I've always been into it. But when he came out was when I was in a really difficult 2001. Period, 99, 2000. Yeah. yeah. I was in a really difficult period in my career where I kind of lost everything. I was watching with one eye on the other side. I had 50 people telling me to move. I got moving on my mind. I found shelter. I just had to start over again. And I didn't have a manager. I didn't have an agent. I just had nothing going on. And I had, I, I was going on the road. I was at, you know, Tuesday through Sunday, fucking guy, and, and people were just coming down to the club because it was something to do. I was getting, you know, it was twelve, fifteen hundred bucks for the week, all inclusive. So after your ticket and all the bullshit, you came mm. home and taxes. You were coming, you yeah, you were working for a whole fucking week for like you know four hundred fifty bucks or Jesus, whatever. Yeah, for, probably like six hundred bucks. But I was living in Manhattan, so I was just just eating it up, right? Sleeping on a futon, and it was the first time it was starting to creep in. Like, oh, am I am I going to be the guy that doesn't make it? And then I had massive, massive issues with fucking women and intimacy and all commitment and all of that shit was coming to a head. I had a relationship that fucking ended and all that. So I was a mess. So all this music came out that I kind of was hearing but was missing it. Yeah. Like I, I heard the White Stripes on the radio and it wasn't until like their second or third album that I finally got into and I was able to distinguish them literally so it was all just this you know that was like the white stripes the vines the, the hives this, the, the hives, strokes yeah. the strokes and all of this shit all came out but in, in it's unfair because Jack White was so much different than them but yes. the way they were packaging it in the stores it was all the, the somethings well this was like the that music that you were saying is kind of like the 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 not low fidelity but how did I write it it's, it's like you have to see what they were coming out of which is like we were coming out of like U2 just coming out with It's a Beautiful Day. Limp Biscuit was popular in 99. Uh, Good Charlotte, in, in Sum 41, sync. DMX, Missy Elliott, Eminem, all the boy bands. So that's. The 90s so, was so much fun, man. It was so much fun, dude. I loved it. it I loved the 90s. But then this, the White Stripes and, and the Hives, the Vines, Black Road Motorcycle Club is kind of like their grunge era. 
Right. This is like it got too flashy because that's kind of what happens in music Always. where it's just like, all right, dude, you know, calm down with the pyrotechnics and the spandex and now put on a flannel shirt. And then from that, it just kept growing. And after Nirvana, it just kept going back where everything Metallica cuts their hair. They start looking like like, you know, up to date rock stars. And then it just it just turns back over where they get rid of all the the, you know, the electrical. Well, you can only be sad for so fucking long. You know what I mean? You want yeah, to be happy for a while. Exactly. But that's the thing is that it's it's ebbs and flows it's like little lasagna bumps it just got to go up and down that's just why like i don't little... believe in heaven neither do it I. just emotionally doesn't make any sense buddhism does it for me for, for the whole your whole rest of you in this great this is unbelievable <laughs> like how long can you fucking sustain that before you're like all right buddy it's great i get it fucking heaven. shut up you just want to trip somebody they, they but just, you're in they, heaven they, though. They, at the they, same they, time, there would be so much tension, dude. But you'd be up there. There'd be Bonham up there. There'd be you know Jimi Hendrix. There'd be Patrice and Lanny. Br- Actually, yeah, they'd be, probably fucking g- singing fucking roll out the barrel <laughs> Mitch, Mitch Miller shit. Yeah, but it was definitely like a weird time in in 1999. So so what were you? What do you remember listening to during that time? So if your if your life was kind of in turmoil and you're out back on the road, are you just staying into that lane of just? ACDC, it's a long... Were you just, like, listening to, it's a long way to the uh, top if you want to... Which I just I got I was into. trying to get caught up. I think at that point I was finally getting into Nirvana. Like, I always liked Soundgarden and Alice in Chains. Those were the two bands that came out of Seattle that I just couldn't ignore. Mm-hmm. But I, I definitely had that older person, like, it's just Seattle stuff. Like, I like all the L.A. stuff. I know. It just knocked we talked about that. them We're, off. We talked about where I can still... I remember when MTV showed the Smells Like Team Spirit music video. Like, I remember that. And then right before that was Nelson's, like, I can't live without your loving. Oh, yeah. So it's just the complete <laughs> fucking opposites. But it was just like, how could I not? How could a kid that's 11 or 12 years old not be like, yeah, dude, Nirvana's way cooler than fucking these two guys dressed in, like, denim outfits. They look like Britney Spears at the VMAs, and they were guys. I mean, it's yeah. like, it's just... Gunner and somebody... somebody Gunner and, and Stunner. <laughs> They're a professional wrestling duo now. Well, I actually think by that time I was listening to Eminem was really inspiring to me because there was an album that he put out. This might have been a little bit afterwards, but on the back cover, it was him just sitting down on a stoop or a stairway and he was writing. It's like all of his records. All of his records, he's on a stoop or or he's, I feel like he's, all of his covers are stoop covers. (laughs) Is it? I don't know. Because I, I always, I always, I, I just don't remember. I just, but I just remember him sitting there writing, and I just felt like he was not only immensely talented, but he was outworking everybody, and he was selling all these albums, but he was still acting like he was still struggling. And that was always like the Jordan. Michael Jordan did that. Like he was the best guy in the league, and he yeah. would practice like he was trying to make the team. Mm-hmm. And then he led the league in scoring and all that. And nobody talked about his defense. And then he got so good at defense. You don't talk about my fucking defense now. And he just became like this complete player like you'd never seen. And I felt in, that he was kind of like, I, I have this weird thing where you don't have to be a comedian to like, I can see somebody do something like, like somebody just taking pride in fucking building a, a walk-in closet. Just the way that they're, they're so meticulous. Sure. And, and there's, if there's a passion there, then oh, yeah. I, it'll make me it'll either get me going or I get like this wave of guilt. Like, wow, I'm not working this. I need to work harder at what I'm doing. This person is, is crushing it. I, so I think that's where I was. I just remember, yeah, The Strokes. And the only song I ever heard was that song that they always play. Yeah. 
Just to give you an idea of what was popular, this Casablanca? is Casablanca, dude. This is this name? is in two thousand and uh, Julian Casablancas. Dude, I think like, that's his name. did he need to front a band with a name like that? Julian, Julian Casablanca. He's they're all he, he's like he's like an heir to like the Spiegel fortune. They're all like new New York avant garde. Their parents hung out with Andy Warhol. Like the Strokes were like. I mean, they were they were the coolest. Isn't Andy Warhol's kind of the first Me Too guy when you really fucking read up on him? I don't know enough about him. Yeah, he always seems like he was fucking. People stayed there for three days and they only wanted to be there for twenty minutes. <laughs> they come to and they're covered in plaster. <laughs> How have we shot four movies already? Oh, because you've drugged me. All yeah. right, this is what was popular. Uh, this is what I think the this is uh, MTV's Music Awards. These are the songs in two thousand ones that were all nominated to give you an idea of what's going on when this record, White Stripes, White Blood Cell, came out. You got Limp Bizkit, Rollin'. Remember that piece of shit? Oh Gotta go rolling, rolling. It's start, even the way it started off was, you know, all, all right. right, partner. Keep on rolling, baby. You know what time it is. I mean, that's just... And that won an award. Then you have Aerosmith Jaded, Linkin Park Crawling, Stained It's Been a While, and Weezer Hashpipe. And then on July... What year is this? This is, in, this is the date of the record being released. July 3rd, 2001 is when it was wow. released. Now, a little couple of interesting facts. I, don't I remember know if, my, brother, uh, my brother, my friend, telling me that... He really liked that Stain song. That seemed like seven years ago. Dude, it seems like so Not, not 17 <laughs> it's years It's been ago. a while. <laughs> dude, Stain was huge, dude. <laughs> looking back at it at the time, like I wasn't into that stuff. And now looking back on it, I it love all of that stuff. This podcast I was listening to. And this guy was always playing these songs. And he was going, so why am I playing this cheese? He always get, just... Had the, kept calling these songs cheese, and one of them was like the police. Every breath you take, it's that song. Is, that song is a fucking masterpiece. That's iconic. Yeah, that's well. That's just a, hipster, a song that's a that hipster. fucking good, and it's a, and it's a hit. Like he's sitting there acting like the whole time, like the fifth fucking thing I listened to. We go, why am I playing this cheese? I can't remember what the fuck it was. I was just like, it's just a hipster being a hipster. Like, who is that's this all that fucking is. guy? That's a hipster being a hipster. Some of the weird things I, I started reading about this, but that's there's like look what was coming you know what's out. What's weird about hipsters is none, none of them think they are like they don't realize that they're hipsters. Like a neo Nazi knows he's a fucking neo Nazi, but for some reason a hipster can't fucking figure out <laughs> that he's a hipster. But <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you figure if you're going to deny something, hey man, I'm not into Hitler. The fuck, right? <laughs> Those guys are like no, no, yeah, you got me, you got me pegged, dude. I love you're Hitler, good at this, man. You always been good at reading people. Goebbels, Himmler, all of them. I love all of them. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they're all great. Yeah. Even misunderstood. The <laughs> <laughs> These were doctors, a lot of them. Sorry. It's all right. My next question is, who is your favorite Nazi? No, I'm kidding. Uh, stats about this record. My and favorite I think- Nazi movie. What's I don't that? even know the name of it, but there was this one. Uh, what the fuck was it? Over in Eastern Europe, it was this, this, this plot. These guys tried to kill him. Valkyrie. Oh, my God. That was a fucking kill. Tom movie. Cruise movie. He wasn't in it. Oh, that's 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 Valkyrie. That's the one where Valkyrie, he's <laughs> fucking Nazis. Valkyrie, fucking Nazis. Valkyrie, me. We gotta kill Adolf. Same mustache you used to so be. We, so you're coming off of you're coming off 2001 when all the some 41 all those bands are going no, on. No, not his movie. I I always wanted to kill Hitler when he said that. Um, not that movie. And not the movie where he flies the helicopter. This he this was this was in a different language, and it was about these fucking people. They tried to take the dude out, and then they ended up getting they ended up uh, getting uh, 
hiding in this church and they held off the Nazis for like three days and you can go there and still see the bullet holes in the side of the church. I mean, it was just like, it's one of these movies It's just like, I haven't done shit with my life. I don't know what the name of it is. I like to do that. I like to bring up cool shit not to know the name of it just to torture <laughs> listeners. That's what I do too. Valkyrie! Valkyrie! So recorded in February of 2001, you know, it only took, uh, it's, they rehearsed for one week and they recorded this in four days. It took four days to record this album. This is Jack White's first record uh, with a big label. And he told the sound guy in the mixer constantly throughout, he was like, don't make it sound pretty. Keep it dirty. Keep it the way we've always been I doing fucking, it. That was one thing I was going to tell you. I fucking love the way this this record. So sounds. tell me, what are your first thoughts? So you didn't. So your your idea of White Stripes prior to this was like you heard him, you know about him, you know about him more now. But in two thousand one, you weren't into him. Like, what was your? No, it wasn't that I wasn't into him. It was just I wasn't making any fucking money, and I had lost all my reps. So I was just like representation. I was trying to get my career. Back on track, Back yeah. On track, it was yeah. one of these things where I always tried to pay attention to music and, and pop culture because you needed to know what was going on, or all of a sudden, yeah. you know, you're that guy on stage doing, "Hey, what's up with uh, Dan Quayle?" You know. <laughs> so I was aware of them. Quail material must have killed back in the day. But I, I tell you, <laughs> like I really just you making me sit down and listen to this album as much as I did. It How was, much did you listen to it? Oh, just well. Once I got into it, forget it. I just you just started listening. Like, oh my god! Oh so my explain god, to me. So give me how many idea of how and many it, times the drums on it is what. Well, oh, we're getting to that. Blows me away. We're gonna get to that. If you want, if you want to start talking about Meg, because I because Meg I was, makes makes like Phil Rudd seem like a busy drummer, <laughs> and then just some of the choices that she makes. She, she's like, every song she's just like playing quarter notes it seems where she'll leave out a snare or where she'll put it yeah, and then maybe not hit the snare and just hit the hi hat, but yeah. the way the hi hats are open, the, how it just. Elevates the fucking song. They're powerful. She's she's got. If you watch her play, it does not look like it's it's like that. She's exerting any sort of effort. But you close your eyes and you listen. It's just like she's fucking killing it. In a weird way, would you say she's influenced by Bonham? Because they sound the drums sound big like John like like Bonham's, but they're not nearly as intricate. And there's no solos like like he would do. But it's just just the power. It's that so, shit that Bonham would do, where he would he would just he we when he played something simple because he could go blinding fast in the Moby Dicks and shit. Yeah. But when he would just play some simple musical fill, that was just it was always there and nobody could ever mm-hmm. find it. And he just you know knowing him, he probably just did it one night fucking around. He just heard it and played it. Yeah. And then left it alone. Like now you got me thinking of Bonham. Like my favorite oh, my, my favorite fill he does is at the end of the Wanton song. Which one is that? <laughs> I like that one there. Yeah, that one. And he just does this film where there's that space, right? And he, throughout the song, he, he would play between his hand and his foot. You know, I just can't make the noise as fast sure. as he plays it. So towards the end of the song, he just does something on the snare. It's like, so like the whole fucking song feels like it stopped for a second. And you almost fall out of your seat, and then he picks right up and comes back. And it's fucking grooving so goddamn hard. It's like, that's the type of shit that gives me the chills when I listen to music. Yeah. 
it's it's not like look, watching somebody play drum solo is fucking awesome and it's amazing and all that type of shit. But when somebody comes up with the perfect fucking fill, yeah, that oh, it elevates. Just, yeah. And then what I love is I love watching a live band that fucks around and doesn't play it the same way they played it on the record because then somebody does something that surprises people. The, the reason why you go see a band live for me is is to see the singer or the bass player turn around and smile at yeah. the drummer when he does something or somebody throws in something fucking extra. If, if they're not in a band where they got some fucking dictator up front being like, <laughs> Und I say when you put the keyboards in? Nein! Yeah. <laughs> So how would you so so like do you think that Meg is pretty influenced by John Bonham? Uh, in I have no playing? idea. I have. Did no, you why? I'm, a, I, I'm surprised you no didn't idea. watch. Did you watch any of the videos? Did you, I'm assuming you probably. No, I'm a. I, I you find YouTubed. videos are, are distracting. Well, first of all, every fucking time I've talked about this before. Whenever they show the fucking drummer, the amount of fucking times that they have the beat completely backwards. Like they're going boom, no, no, crack, no, no, no. boom, crack, and then they and, and they line up the footage with crack, boom, crack, boom. Drives me up the fucking wall. Everybody else, they make sure they got even the the bass player, the guitar player, the singer, of course. Yeah, is always in sync, and the drummer never is. But um, no, I I like uh, no. I when I listen to music, dude, I go into like like a fucking fantasy world, and it, and it's always me playing it by the end of it. Yeah, it's not Jack and Meg. Do you go into your room? I, and- I am in guitar. I, I I am playing guitar. I'm singing and I'm playing whatever cool thing just happened in the music. I'm doing it. Do you sing and in your car? Everybody I know is watching me, and yeah. they're all like, "Wow, Bill, is is there no depth to your talents?" <laughs> <laughs> and then somebody beeps at me because I'm going through. A like, oh, sorry about that. Yeah. Then somebody beeps because I'm going through a red light. <laughs> sorry, I was fantasizing. Welcome to us talking about our podcast for a minute. What's the name of that podcast? That's Axe to Grind, uh, and right now you're going to be getting a little little taste of it, right down to the shaky microphone and all. <laughs> and my name's Bob. And my name's Patrick, and usually we're joined by Tom. Tom's the best. Tom has a real grown-up job that requires him to be at work, but we talk about decidedly not-so-grown-up things like... Hardcore music and things that people that like hardcore music tend to like. So that could be the latest shows, uh, revisiting classic material, talking about the new classics, um, all the little dorm room nonsense that you imagine from a niche music podcast that, that you either love, want to love, or hate. Yeah, imagine all the emotions that you have towards a genre that, that uh, has impacted your life uh, and then condense them down to an hour to two hours a week. So triangulate your speakers, think about jumping off the bed, singing along, dancing like an idiot, and listen to Axe to Grind podcast. Hey, this is Dewey Halpas, host of Peer Pleasure on the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. Join me each week as I explore another long-form conversation with one of your favorite musicians, actors, comedians, or creatives. From Chino Moreno of the Deftones, John Gorley of Portugal, the man, to Fat Mike from NoFX and Ian McKay from Fugazi and Minor Threat, we go all over the map. From Fallout Boy to Slayer, Peer Pleasure has it all. Check us out now on Sound Talent Media. All right, so so how many times have you listened to the record since I asked you to do it? I think it was like, I gave it to you a couple weeks ago. I was like, just you know, I know and you're I didn't busy. I started listening till like three days ago. We were I, supposed to tape on Tuesday, easily, and then you easily. <laughs> uh, over the last three days, like nine, ten times. You listened to it ten times? I listened to it. I was at the gym today. I listened to it two times in a row. That's how long I work out. 
Um, it's, it's, I can tell you how long you work out. The album is because I didn't put the time down. No, Fuck. it was it was like one and a half times at the gym. I got to be honest. And then I rode ho- drove home listening to it. All right, what are your first thoughts the first time you heard the record? Like when you finally got to sit down from cover to cover, like what did you think of the record? What stuck out? That did you connect or latch on to anything? This guy was getting out of a relationship. Yes. That did not go well. Yes. And I, I was like going, wow, man, there's a lot of like, what is that song expected? And in the end you hear, is it Meg going like, and it's just like, could you go get me? And then it's almost like, like out of tune, like, like shut the fuck up. Like, and it's, and I remember being in that situation and then just the titles of the song, I find it hard to be a gentleman. And, and, uh, just, I was like, all right, this, this is the breakup album. And, it's, uh, dude, this is, if you look at this right now, so I, I went through every song. You've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight songs about love. And then you have one, two, three, four, five, five songs about him not changing. If you listen to it, it's either like the like Dead Leaves in the Dirty Ground is about a girl getting away from him. I'm finding it hard. I'm finding it hard to be a gentleman is about him not wanting to change for a girl. Fell in love with a girl. Love expecting is about, you know, is about, I think, them, what did I write down? They're trying to save the relationship and then eventually she has a baby. Yeah, the same shit over and over and then it builds to, you're expecting, I'm expecting. I mean, that's about having oh, a kid. Oh, that's not even how I heard it. I superimpose like you, you, like, you know, when you are being a good guy. It's appreciated in the beginning, and then it's just sort of taken for granted, and it's expected. And then, like, even though you, you want to go do the dishes, there's that silent game you have to play in a relationship where you can't do the fucking dishes. So they notice how great it is that you do fucking clean up and pick up around that. that that's how I took it. Like, I, I, there's nothing to do. I'm not a lyrics guy. Neither am I. Like, I am. I, I will listen to a song a thousand fucking times and I will listen to I'll listen to the guy playing the shaker I'm, all I am is I'm all about the fucking instruments till I finally be like oh is that what that song is about like there's a song I fucking recently had been listening to forever which one I'm not gonna say because of the time that we live in now it ends up it's about this guy beating the shit out of his girlfriend and I had no fucking idea one of the verses is about that I had no fucking idea you tell me off mic because I want to know huh? <laughs> no just remind me and I'll tell it to you it's just like I just thought that this, this was like a party song because it was just one of those things where like the, 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 the verses were sort of mumbled yeah. and then it got to the chorus mm-hmm. and it was kind of like oh yeah 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 you know happy fucking silly shit right and you're not really listening <laughs> And no, it's not smack my bitch up. I'm not that dumb. I know. I, I was trying to think of what song it could be. Like, it's I not stopped no, no. her It's today. not 100% about that. It's about this guy being a loose cannon, and one of the things he does is that. There's actually a lot of that stuff in this record. And it's actually by a former winner of American Idol, and that's the last... I love that you're thinking about. I'm just fucking with you. I'm just throwing you off the scent. You literally just, I'm like, dude, dude that Ruben? was like, hey, save that for acting class. The face you just fucking made, like, <laughs> I'm gonna figure this out. Is it Bo Bice? Is it? I love that you went with Bo Bice first out of everybody. You know why? Because I wore a shirt one time down to the comedy cellar when he was in the running. Yeah, and t- the late, late Todd, great, uh, late great Todd Lynn. Jesus, Christ. I said the late Todd, great, the late great <laughs> late Todd, Todd Lynn. Great. Said, Bill, shut the fuck up with your Bo Bice shirt. And I remember he was so proud of his reference and everybody loved it. Your Bo Bice shirt. So I never forgot his name. I like the gray-haired guy. And it's not just because I had gray hair. Remember the dude that was like the soul singer? He had like the he had like a bowl cut. His name was like Taylor. Was he white? White. Can I, think- I tell you, ever tell you how much I hate white soul singers? Why? I just They just bug me. So is, is Michael Bolton included in that? 
Michael McDonald? I don't consider him a soul you hate Michael singer. McDonald? No, I don't hate him. Yeah, so there you go. That just proved, just proved your point. There you go. <laughs> Moving on. No, but I like when he played with, like, you know, uh, the Asia guys there. What are you talking about? What, what Michael Fucking, McDonald uh, played with? The, the dildo band, Steely Dan. Dildo band. That's was a Steely Dan, a name for a dildo in fucking England. I have no idea. Right, get your Steely Dan. <laughs> if I had here. internet right now, I could look it up. But I, I know can't. I don't have internet. My internet stinks. We're stuck with the notes that I that I've taken. So, what songs stuck out to you? Expect you know, because immediately for the first time I heard this record, Deadly well, I got in a the kid. Dirty. I have a kid. So the song that stuck out to me was that. La, da, da, Little Room. And when he was playing, that sounded like a song that a little kid would love. It sounded like a little kid excitement about the future. Like the, to me, I, I don't know. I don't know what the lyrics are, but that is a, like the sound of that song. So it's a positive song to me. It is, and it makes me want to get up and do something. It is. It is. That's what the blues does. Because I was I, the album I did a couple. Don't tell me what the blues. No, does. but okay, see, the blues but, will but, do but, something but, to me. But it's all and do something to you differently. Of hundred percent. But what it what they're doing at least they're 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 saying some pretty depressing things, but they're just saying it in an upbeat way. You know, with a nice guitar. I was just doing BB King's Live at Cook Prison. Did I ever tell you how horrible it is to be jamming on the blues playing drums? It is the most boring shit. It's just so slow and just. Yeah, the guitar players. The guitars have having the fucking like yeah. the blues player, the harmonica, and you and the bass player. <laughs> no, surprisingly, surprisingly, little room is about being. What I got from it, it's about being more artistic when you were broke, and as you become more famous, you lose that passion. So it's like you're sitting in a little room. Oh yeah, there's nothing, not much to do. And so he's talking about how when when I, you're you're hungry when you're poor right and then as you become wealthier you lose that that fire like how do you let me yeah, ask you're you looking that. at that right now i <laughs> i last night i was gonna go down to the comedy store and i didn't i went to bed instead and i said i said to my wife i go i'm getting soft so i'm going out tonight i so said, i want to be that fucking guy once you start selling tickets on the road and you don't you don't go down to the la clubs anymore i always see that and they just disappear into their fucking homes but no i wouldn't but i wouldn't think that as a comedian as a comedian it's not like you don't want to be out you're working on a shitload of projects so i don't think there's a there's a, is there's any way of saying that you're not hungry but how do you stay hungry though like with, with now that you've had the success, now that you broke out of where oh, you that's were easy. in two thousand one, fear of losing all of it. Ah, fear. There you go. So fear is what fires yeah. you up. Does any time? That's why they also say, hey, if you have a kid, you'll get so happy, you won't be funny anymore. But it's it. How you stay funny is you are so happy. Then you have then all of these new fears come in of oh my god, what if this happens, to my kid? What if that happened? What if I messed up and this happened? And you just like that fucking panic mm-hmm. of. Having this thing that, that you, you love more than anything you've ever loved in your life will feed your comedy like nothing you've ever, ever had, you know? I heard the first one. Then the second one is just like, oh, man, I'm fucked. I don't have any more hobbies now, do I? <laughs> <laughs> so that's how you stay hungry, basically. I just, guess just, so. Are we doing this what, album justice? Because I think it's amazing. It's fine. I just hard- love the sound of his guitar. It, like, it, it really commands your attention. Like, I feel like if you went to a bar one night and you're watching back-to-back-to-back bands or whatever, the second he goes, down, down, you're going to be like, what the fuck is that? Well, and you then, was, and you, then the, the way the drums come in and everything, it's just like you you would just know that you were seeing something different and these guys are going to be good. Oh, for <laughs> sure, man. I actually... Uh, these people, no disrespect. 
the first my first pass of this record when I listened to it immediately Dead Leaves in the Dirty Ground was way what stood stood out to me more than anything because it's just such a powerful song and I love that chorus it's just so catchy and that was one of the hits and after the first few listens like I was into it but I started thinking that a few of the songs sounded the same do you know what I mean not like entirely but I mean just the lo-fi but just the way that he the like the chorus for Dead Leaves in the Dirty Ground is dan 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 Actually, that's not that one. It's so close to right. I'm finding it hard to be a gentleman. I can't even sing Dead Leaves in a Dirty Ground. It's it's They're different. Do you know what I'm talking about? Like, no, well, I mean, ACDC, you could, if you learn how to play guitar, I mean, you could play like 80% of yes. the catalogs with a G, D, yes. C, and an A chord. Yes. But uh, somehow, Malcolm could just switch up. I, I don't mean, I, that's the difference between someone who plays as a hobby and someone who's actually can has a gift for it. Like, I never had a gift for it. Like, I am a complete, just a nerd. I'm like, basically, the way, me playing drums is the same way as, like, a guy who goes to see a Star Wars movie and he dresses up like Darth Vader. (laughs) 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 It's like, wow, this guy's really into this movie. What's funny about... It's not good enough to be in the movie. What's funny about this album is that, like, I, I listened to it once and then I stepped away for a little bit, went back... And there were certain songs that I loved at first, and then over time and listening to them, I started pushing those away for some other ones. And now the songs that I liked at the beginning, I think are kind of like, they're still good. Like Dead Leaves is, I'm always going to go back to that one because that was the song that I got introduced by White Stripes. Because the real introduction was, uh, was the popular song off the record, which is Fell in Love with a Girl. Do you remember that? That's fell in love with a girl. Yeah. And when I remember when that came out, when that came out, I did not like that song. And I did more research on that song. And this this is like Rolling Stone actually said it is one of the 40 songs that changed the world. They're putting fell in love with a girl. It's number 40. Right. I mean, some of the stuff on there, Sweet Child of Mine, The Cure, Just Like Heaven, Sugar Hill Gang, Rapper's Delight. But doesn't Rolling Stones just do that? Just to get people talking and to buy the limited edition, the 40 songs that changed the world. Because you can be like, oh, my God, how can you leave raindrops keep falling on my head off of it? What's the matter? My leg's cramping. (laughs) Uh Uh-oh. I'm fine. Does that happen a lot? No, it just happened right now. Oh, I was going to say. Get a masseuse, dude. Oh, I've got one. you got to do it. You know what I I fucking learned? What's that? uh, That after... I don't know how many years of being on the road, 20 years of being on the road, sitting in writer's rooms, sitting on planes, driving in rental cars and not doing squats or anything like I'm I'm sitting on skin and bones. <laughs> I have like I have no like, muscle. There's like it's like, you know, what do you pound out a fucking piece of meat? Yeah. Make it super thin. You know, the Italians do, and then they wrap it You're up. You're a veal cutlet? Yeah. Is that I, what you, I have two you veal got... cutlets back there. <laughs> so I got this sciatic nerve issue. I joined the gym, and I'm just I'm fucking doing legs. Where you know are you going? You know, you know what's great about- but Don't tell everybody. Yeah, I want yeah, you to yeah. tell you. The fans will show up, and they'll want to spot you doing your shoulder <laughs> press. <laughs> hey, Bill, you need a spot over there? I mean, I just saw your form. If, we could, if I could help you out a little bit. I'd... Oh, and that's another thing, too. Uh, I've corrected my posture. I'm in the process of doing it, and then also lifting- weights properly and yeah. i go to the gym now and i i swear to god dude like 65 70 percent of the people not only are not lifting the weights properly they're 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 gonna hurt themselves oh yeah most and people have no idea what they're doing if you walk around the gym I most didn't. people are because this thing you just see somebody doing exercise like oh i'm gonna do what are those for are those for your tries i'm gonna do those but you never stop to learn the form 
like the thing most people do, you got to have your shoulders down and back or you're going to have a rotator cuff issue like I yeah. had. And I didn't realize that. And if you don't fucking do your back muscles and you just benching, what are you benching? Because that was all the 80s was about. Yeah. It's going to pull your shoulders oh, forward. Yeah, you and, be- then you sh- and then you do those fucking things where you're, you're yanking it up like you're going to set off some dynamite, you know, except it's harder to pull up than push down, right? Those things pull your shoulders up, and then you're fucked. And then you get into your 40s like me, and you try to fuck where well, I was in my 40s when I fucked up my shoulder. Yeah. You, know, you go to bench press, and all of a sudden, and then you feel the pain, and then you're in the 80s. Oh, push through the pain. No pain, no gain. You do three more fucking sets, and then you're like me. But you look good, though. And you, you, how do you have a circulation problem? You play drums. Are you, aren't your legs more active now? Well, the problem is, uh, well, so that's not a circulation problem. It's oh. a nerve issue. Um it's that's another thing too. Sitting down playing drums, and and all of that that stuff. It's just like, uh, you know, it, that that's one of the things that was making one of my my left foot was going numb. I'm like, oh my god, do I get clots? Like, what's going on? And I found this genius masseuse, and she's helped work all of this Working stuff the out. Knots out. Oh, if it's dude. not painful, then it's not a good massage. It has to like you have to be like, oh, oh god, please stop. Oh thank god. Yeah, no, it was like the it's first the layer. Was all recent shit. Oh yeah, I played pickup hockey and I didn't bring my stuff and I fell on my leg. And then the middle was like shit from the nineties. And then she got all the way down to the bone. This took like I don't know how many months for her to work her way through all like literally fifty years of gristle. And she when she got down to the bone, I'd be thinking of shit. Oh, my brother used to fucking give me Charlie horses, dead legs, whatever you call them. He used to kick me in the legs. Um, <laughs> oh, that kid hit me with that stick. You That's know, it's just best. no. But the thing, it's still in there. Kid. It's I still in that. there. Oh, they can't do that shit now. Can I they? know you. No, whether you can, the kids still do it. It's just that they don't. You know, it's not advertised. But the kids are still just as ruthless as we were. I think. I mean, years, years. I were- think it's more psychological warfare. I think like the the bully guys. They're almost like how uh, the girls used to be. Where girls didn't really beat the shit out of each other. It was like this. It was worse. It was like they spread rumors. They'd write shit in their locker, and they were just like this psychological. But just, now it's like now we're going to attack. Online. We're going to attack your yeah. character. Where it was just a guy. He's like, all right, you're going to get a bloody nose and some fucking lumps on top of your head. Well, I'm finding it harder to be a gentleman. I know you say you didn't get a lot of the meaning from them, but when I was going through the research of some of the songs and finding it hard to be a gentleman, it's about a guy that's trying to be a gentleman to a girl, but realizing everything that he thought was a gentleman doesn't work on her. So let's take that away from being a girl. Jesus Christ. Hear this out. I mean, this is good. It's just, just like... And I make mean, her society as a whole. Do you find it uh, hard to appease everyone with your stand-up or just throughout life? And has a PC culture ruined comedy i know this is a, these are deep questions and you probably weren't expecting on a guy wearing capris no, but this standard everybody acts like no there's there's literally a hundred thousand people screaming and yelling on social media and that's what the press is paying attention to because yeah. screaming and yelling is that but like yeah people go to shows and they still laugh at what it, everything they always laughed at i'm finding i mean look you go down you know it's touristy crowd or maybe if you did a college gig it would be but that would be more like a generation gap but it's just like most people are cool and they understand that they're at a comedy show so they don't take the comedian seriously now you're well you're well within your right to take the comic seriously but just because you took it seriously doesn't mean i now meant it and i fucking owe you an apology yeah you owe me an apology for wasting my time with your fucking complaining just go see somebody else you're self-involved i thought i was a self-involved one i'm on the fucking stage 
you realize how self-involved you have to be to be the one person in the crowd that didn't like it and think you're, you're owed an apology? That's like, like that person should be a celebrity. They're so self-involved. They should have their own TV show banning the creators from the set like all those psychos. You Does that happen to you a day. lot? Like when what? you're on the road, like somebody will come up to you and be like pissed no. off at you? No. no. Did it happen when you were starting though? No, it has happened. Of course. But that's what they're going to focus on. They're going to focus on that. It's like when Hardwick got accused of that bullshit, right? All the negativity, bam, 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 bam. They showed all that. They didn't show two or three of his ex-girlfriends. Hey, I was in a relationship for three years. He never did anything like that. He's a great guy, blah, blah, blah. That they just showed, that yeah. Doesn't, that doesn't get, like, it, it's more, what it is, it's, it's more clickbait. It's just clickbait, and it's just, if you look up clickbait, it's mostly negative shit, and then the only positive shit is going to be, like, uh, her teeth used to look like this. <laughs> yeah. You'll be amazed what they look like now. So they go into your vanity, yeah. You know, do you have varicose veins? Are your eyes always bloodshot? You know? So what is it? Uh, vanity. Do you, do your glutes vanity. look like veal cutlets. <laughs> vanity, hate, and I was going to say animal stuff. Anything with animals is clickbait. Yeah. That sounds is like it- a Prince triple album, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I love animals. That's my favorite part of the record. Well, actually, if you go through this, because that's, that's coming off of I'm Finding It Hard to Be a Gentleman. And then the song that stuck out to me the most is, and I, the one I enjoyed the most, was Offend in Every Way. Do you know which one that is? Yep. Uh, you do know which one that is. Okay, perfect. Because you uh, told me to listen to that one because you said that you were going to talk about it. No, well, it's, it's basically, if you reading the lyrics of it, it's about trying to fake it, but you just can't, which obviously he's having a problem with throughout this whole album because everything is No, him. but I thought he was a decent guy. He, he was, is it. He, 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 he's being a... He actually is being a gen- he's being a gentleman about it. What I like is he's not doing this sneering sort of like, "Hey man, like I'm saying the things you're thinking, but I I just, I'm telling it like it is." He's just like, "Listen, I'm not trying to be a dick." You know, I'm just sure you're mad because I'm saying what I feel. Do you feel your whole career? Have you always kind of had the I'm just going to kind of say it and just this is what I believe attitude or has that changed? You know, was there a point suddenly in your career, like maybe around 2001 when this was coming out and you said you were going through that shit? Did you just decide like, no, fuck it. I'm just going to do exactly what I've been doing and just keep focusing on. No, I was always trying to get better. I was trying to get better. And get better and better. Because I, I realized right around then that I was not going to be the what they were looking for. All right? I, I wasn't the, uh, uh, you know, whatever, the moose-haired guy. Uh, you know, I tried that. I put moose in my hair. They didn't give a shit, you know. I always tried with the looks, you know, when you're early on. Everybody's wearing fucking black slacks with the – remember the, that, that period – I think yes. he was still a teenager. It was black slats with like the electric blue button down. Like we, like agents and comedians for about a, a six month period dressed the same. It was like this weird sort of. If you did a showcase, you sort of dressed like. It was a little bit of uh, 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 of um, Star Search mixed with some sort of late '90s cell phone salesman sort of look. It was really bad. <laughs> <laughs> it's really bad. But I, I just really, you know, I wasn't the fat guy. I wasn't the good looking guy. I didn't have a catchphrase. And then when the alt scene came in, I wasn't those guys with the beards and the hoodies and acting like I'm awkward and fucking, you know, apparently or whatever the fuck they were doing. 20 minute bit on Iron Man. Like, yeah. I just wasn't that. So I realized that I was going to have to be a numbers guy where it was just like I was going to have to fucking do a good job repeatedly. Over and 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 over again. I was gonna take. I was gonna take the long way around. I just. I knew that. And to this day, a lot of the comics that I like, you know, they're in that period in their career. And I just tell them, I was like, dude, it's gonna take you longer. You know, and it's what 
Dave Chappelle literally said to me, he said to me one time, um, he was sitting on the stairs at the cellar, and I didn't know he was there, thank God, because if I did, it would have affected my set that he was listening. But I went and I got off stage, and he was just like, man, he's like, your, your point of view is so dope, man. I remember that. I was like, oh, he said I'm dope. <laughs> <laughs> this is awesome, right? And, uh, but he said, uh, he goes, he goes, if you keep doing that, he goes, it's going to take you longer. But when you hit, you're going to hit hard is what he said. You know, I, I definitely believe in that. And when you see, like, I call them kids, like somebody comes out with their first special and it hits is hard. Like, say like that, that woman from Australia, how hard that fucking thing hit. And all of a sudden, the New York Times is going, this is changing comedy uh, and all this shit. There's a part of me. I mean, I'm superimposing how I would have handled it, which yeah. I would have been like, fuck. <clears throat> Hey, easy, man, easy. Yeah. Give, give me somewhere to go. Sure. So, like, I, I saw, like, I remember, like, uh, when Dat Van won uh, the fucking, <laughs> uh, what was it? The, what, uh, last Comic Standing. Yeah, I felt bad for that guy. He had, like, 10, 15 fucking minutes, and all of a sudden he's got to go around headline. Like, I, you just, as much as it sucks to be that person, that it, it takes a longer time. You know, you're grounded as far as, like, it's it's sort of built in, in, in be- it's built in bedrock. You're not just getting like, you know, like they shoot those t-shirts out so at games. It, so you're saying, you know, like, so you're hey. saying yeah. So what you're saying when it happens, up. you were ready for it when it started to happen because you've been working for so long and you've gotten to a point that it's just like, nah, this yeah. is. This and it is- still really hasn't happened in a no, lot of ways. I think it's happened. Well, I mean, I'm not, I'm still not an in guy. I think you're the out in guy. You think yeah. that you're out, but you're really in. No, this is, a th- oh my God, this, this is literally a conversation I used to have with, Patrice. <laughs> Not Patrice used to sit there looking at people going, this guy's an in guy. This guy's an out guy. And, and like, I knew what he was talking about. And I said, I'm an out guy. He goes, no, Bill. He goes, you're an in guy trying to be an out guy. And it's like, what the fuck? Are you? you don't even know who the fuck I am. It was like classic his fucking bullshit. It's like, oh, what are you, man? A suffering artist? And we get this big fucking argument. And it's like, dude, do you think I'm trying to be sleeping on a fucking futon at 36, you fucking asshole? Dude, if they ever recorded some of our fucking arguments. They were that good. Oh, oh, I bet. He's just oh, no, a, we, we used to. I could sit and just listen to you talk while we smoke a cigar, but just to have Patrice there, who is just, that would have been the shit, man. Is there any, like, tapes of that around anywhere? Did you guys ever do podcasts? Didn't you, no, like, there's one of me on Opie like, and Anthony where we had, a, we had this massive fuck you, fuck you fight that we ended up, like, barely talking to each other for, like, a year after. Not a oh, year. Oh, wow. No, not a year. Now, you know when we started talking again? When? The Philly thing where i got booed oh so i uh, so that's what yeah brought you it back see up? me in that set when uh i i kind of say something to dj there was people yelling at me i was like you guys are fucking heckling me too all the comics had come out that's what a lot of people know to help out and and they were they were yelling things Philly, for you Philly to say shit. yeah and i didn't i couldn't hear them though like i was either voss or patrice yelled out invincible which I wish I had thought about because then I could have been the fucking Philadelphia Eagles. You guys suck so fucking bad. Some fucking cook, a busboy tried out for your fucking team. Not only does he make it, he had a fucking impact. <laughs> I could have done one of those. You know, and what's so funny too is then like all these years later, the Eagles come back and beat my team in the Super Bowl. How fucking yeah, funny. Like, I always think funny. like that part of life is like, it's weird. It's cool. I'm happy for the Eagles. I wish the Eagles had. I, I wish the Eagles hadn't beat my team, so I could have enjoyed them winning. Because I love when a city that hasn't won for a while, like watching the Cavaliers, watching your Capitals win. I, I love that was the greatest yeah. thing ever to have, and also to, to be able to like the way that you called me. Or you, we were texting, and you're like, "I can't watch the game." So I was like, "All right, dude, let me put you on the. I'll put you on the Facetime. You can watch my." Oh, television. that's right. I was in. I was in England. Yeah, you were in England, and it's just, there's a picture I took of like you just I, sitting my, there in my the kid dark. Was sleeping, my wife was sleeping, and I was sitting in the dark, <laughs> and you were Facetiming 
Oh my God, if my wife walked in, she'd think I was looking at kitty porn. And you were FaceTiming <laughs> your computer screen the last three minutes of the game because I wanted to see Ovechkin. That is so great. Because uh, all the shit that he got. And yeah. then what was so great to watch him be that happy and then to see that he cared that much. Like that picture of him like sleeping with the fucking with his arm oh. around it. It's just like it's the greatest thing ever. Just him him when he turned around to, you, knowing that he's about to grab the cup and he looked at his teammates and just he he made that like scream that like ah like oh my oh my fucking god. Like yeah. I just started like weeping from that. Charlie that was did when, that. And that was when I just started slowly close the lid of the computer and put <laughs> put Bill to sleep so so Josh could have his weep on. Charles did that when the Bruins won. He let out some crazy yell. Really? He's like, you know, fucking 6'10 with skates on. He was just like, like, you're like, like how much these guys went through to get that. Well, thing. that's. You know, Let's get back to Jack White. How much please. do you think he makes a year just From. off of. Dun, 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 dun. Now, when people in the crowd sing it, and it's Did he on get TV. paid for that? Does he still get paid? I think he. I think he has to, right? I mean, I don't know. I don't have anything that's like my TV show never re-aired, so I never got royalties. Do you think that it. he has employees that he sends out to every big game and they start it? They get in the crowd going, whoa, 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 whoa. No, at this at this point, it's just engraved. I know I'm you kidding. are, but I mean, it's like that. That baseline is one of the most iconic baselines of all time. Yeah, now, it's up for there like, with another one bites the dust. Exactly. He's actually like the more I read about Jack White, the more I actually really started to really, really like him. Like if you look at the album cover to this, and this is the other question I wanted to ask you, too, is that the album's cover sarcastically parodies the amount of increasing mainstream popularity the band was receiving, which depicts the duo attacked by photographers. How? Yeah. So it's saying because he's never been he's never been one to really enjoy being a part of the music industry. Also, if you can kind of hear that in one of the songs. I think I smell a rat. Which is one of my other favorite songs. I think I smell a rat. Oh, I think I smell a rat. How good is your bullshit meter? Being able to read people. In my world, it's good. In your good. world, yeah. In my world, it's good. I get outside of my world, and I go right back to being cul-de-sac Bill. <laughs> <laughs> and I can be duped so easily. You get me in a Home Depot, you can fucking, I, you can run me around in fucking circles. I get in a comedy club. I've just, I've just been there long enough that it's just experience. But, like, I don't have, like, I can read people now really well. Yeah. But, like, if, if I get outside... You know my little world. Yeah, I so you say like a, like a barbecue, somebody could take advantage of you, like a like a, a function, or you just mean Dude, you know like, what happens like a lot Gelsons. of times. People get me with jokes. They're fucking with me, and I don't, I don't even see the as a comedian. I don't even see the joke. What do you mean? Like you, they're, they're like they're like running material on you? No, they're like they're like breaking my balls. I can't even think of what, it, what that is. It's some comedic situation where you got to be in on it to get it, and I miss it. And then they always look at me like, you're a fucking comedian. How did you miss that? I'm not smart. (laughs) (laughs) You keep saying that. I've heard you say that so many times, but you're like, you, I mean, you do research, right? Like uh, you're a nonstop researcher. I feel like you live on like Wikipedia. You're like a Wikipedia article guy. You're an article guy. No. You read the articles. Dude, I read shit. Like I'll fucking look up like, uh, I was looking up like the, the, I was watching The Simpsons, and I'm like, wow, how many episodes have they done? And then I just get obsessed with, what's the most episodes of any show anybody's ever fucking done? Gunsmoke. 
That's for that style. No, but they pass gun smoke. The Simpsons is number one. Yep. Then Meet the Press is up there. No, but those soap operas have like 15,000 episodes. Yeah, but that's not real. That's, that's, that's yes, daytime. Yes, that is real. That's daytime. Get in that writer's room. That's daytime. Get in that writer's room. Walk a day in this room. I don't. It's, I could you write. pick up their feather Dude, I could write an episode of a soap opera in 20 minutes. Well, I hope it's better than your puddle of mud song from fucking 30 minutes ago. Because that was, that was not even a B-side. I fucking hate you. Do it to a D side. (laughs) La, 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 la. (laughs) I tried and I tried. So back to this about the album cover. How did you adjust when you suddenly suddenly went from just Bill Burr, you know, club comic to suddenly Bill Burr, like, you know, are, do you still find it hard? You say people get you. Like, do you still find it hard to adjust to that where now you're... Because I've seen you. Like, we were out smoking a cigar and we were about to do the jam and, like, just it's nonstop. Just people are no, like... No, that's, but that's only because I'm standing right outside of a venue true. that I'm performing on. So it doesn't... If but- I walk two... St- Stores down to the Seven Eleven. I could. I, so you don't find that it's like you, how? I no. mean, how often? People don't. Dude, you want to have something fucking hilarious? Please. I went over to Netflix the other day. They right? had no idea. <laughs> I go over to Netflix to pitch a show with the All Things Comedy Network. Yeah. All right, and this guy comes behind the counter. And he's looking. He's going, Phil, Phil, and he looks at me. He goes, Phil. <laughs> I want to be like, no, Bill Burr. I've been doing a TV show with you since uh, 2014, and I've done five specials. I don't think it overstates things to say that the Beatles were the greatest gift to entertainment and culture of our time, a secular religion, if you will, with their universal appeal and demonstrable impact on people's lives. I'm Robert Rodriguez, host of Something About the Beatles. With every episode, I speak with historians, musicians, artists, and Beatle witnesses, all in the service of fresh insights into the most joyous cultural entity the world has ever known. I hope you'll join me and listen to something about the Beatles, now on Evergreen, and wherever you get your podcasts. I mean, great. In defense of Netflix, it is it is an animated show, and I just do the voice. Sure. So. Look, if you don't get recognized at the network that you they, have a TV show on. She called you Phil. Yeah, so I... I, I <laughs> Phil Furr? Yeah, no. Phil Fur. Yeah. No, they were, he was looking for a guy named Phil. He was just asking me if I was that guy. Uh, <laughs> and I and I literally said, no, my name's Bill Burr. I don't think he even said my name. I just said, no, no, I'm not Phil. And then it just struck me as hilarious. I am 100% comfortable with that. Do you ever Do you ever have a moment where, you, where you're like, no, nah, I, I, I should, like, I'm Bill Burr. I should be recognized. You no. don't have any of those? Because you don't seem no, like you're very I humble. Be, I want everybody to know who I am. At the when I'm selling tickets, so I sell the place out. Sure, but if the second the show's over, if everybody immediately forgot who I was until my next show, I that's the <laughs> that's the that's the perfect life. And the show ends like, wait, wait why were we here? Okay, it's just why time were we to here? Go. There was some <laughs> Phil bald guy. Was it Phil? Was it Phil Fur? Was it Bill? I don't know. I don't know. It was oh, Millie my. Mill? So you handle it well, then. You feel? I feel like you do. I remember. I remember. No, but one- there's there's ways there's ways you can control a little bit. Like you don't do extra TV. What do you mean? Like if you're going on TV, you know, you go on because you're promoting something. So you have a you have an agenda. You, you have a yes, purpose. They yes, they should I get see that. you doing what you do, and then you leave. 
Yeah. That's like everybody that I respect does it that way. I remember the Beastie Boys. You never saw the Beastie Boys unless they were they were promoting a fucking album. Then they came on and they were fucking everywhere and the tour, blah, 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 and then they just disappeared. And you wouldn't see them for like two, three years. And right as you're going like, hey, man, the those guys still together. Bam. Bam. They drop album. ill communication and they're doing it to better. I don't think anybody concert. ever did it better than those guys. <clears throat> as, far, uh, as far as playing that game where it's just like. We got to be out there where they still know who we are. They knew the exact, it was almost like they knew the exact amount of time. It was like, you know, I really would love a new Beastie Boys album. And they were like, well, here you go, Bill. <laughs> here you go. And then they would go out in the tour and they always had the coolest fucking clothes that everybody would then rip off. Everybody like, I feel it. like they were the first guys that went back to the 70s. They went back to the 70s and the 80s. That's how far ahead they were with uh, Paul's Boutique. Mm-hmm. And they said, we want to look like the, the 1970 New York Knicks on the road. Was their fashion sense, and it I made, love the Beastie Boys. Yeah, just I I love that it went. They they adjusted with with the time, and they it was like they started off with like their hip hop. It didn't sound like it was like a rock and roll version of Run DMC, and then it was like when it started getting more into sampling, like they did Paul's Boutique, and then Ill Communicate. It's just such. They just everything about it. Like the last album, even though it was like it seemed like it was thrown together, it was still great because it just was like they had this this style that that nobody else yeah. could duplicate. I love the energy. drums on uh, the, the first, whatever that first song is. Kick it! No, 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 no. On uh, on Paul's boutique. Yeah. It's MCA, the and it's just Shore. that guy playing. Oh, whoever's playing sixteenth notes in the hi hat, and it's just just the way the drums sound. He's just playing a groove. It's mixed really low. It fades in, and then it fades out to all my Indian. He fucking says every nationality out there before it goes into that super loud drum fill. That I was so psyched one day when I actually figured it out. Before it goes. Oh yeah. The Beastie Boys. Did I did I do it justice? No, well, we did. <laughs> no, 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 we did. Okay. It's because the, the whole idea of this is that I don't, I don't like, I, I do all the research, but in a sense, it's just a discussion about okay. the albums, just like the, it's like the celery and the carrots and the onion of the soup. And then the seasoning is whatever we want to go and talk about. The album is just something us to riff off of and just have fun with. But it's also like we get to listen to it. And for, for me, it's experiencing art. It was definitely a fun homework assignment. Well, I think it's I think it's such a great fucking like I started realizing, man, that there's so many great albums that I haven't listened to and that this is going to be a way for me to go through those and like, you know, not only listen to them, but be able to like talk about them and really get to know them. And hey, man, you don't have to defend your podcast. I think it's great. I think it's fucking fantastic, (laughs) dude. Um, So you never said what was your favorite song on the record? What stuck out for you? What was the song that really connected with you? If there was any one that you had to you had to say, this is the Bill Burr song. You want to look Expecting at it? Expecting just be, and it's all because in the end when the woman goes like, can you just have any, does that. I just really related to that. And Little Room I Loved. What's the one about, I think we're going to be friends. Fall is here. Called. Is that what it's it is? Because we're gonna be friends. I love that one too. Yeah, because I have the, the first positive song. Just the imagery too. I, I reminded, reminded me of my best friend when I was a kid, 
Here's kind of a sad story, right? Yeah, go ahead. He was like my best friend, and he doesn't die or anything. So okay. He was my best friend, <clears throat> and all of a sudden, you know, we were we were moving away. And I remember I had to go across the street. I had to say goodbye to him. And, like, the moving truck was filled up for the last time. And we met in the middle of the street. It was, like, a uh, not, not a busy street. We met in the middle of the street. And there was some kid had just ridden by on a bicycle that my friend Mark had just talked to. And he said, oh, that kid, blah, 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 blah. And I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, that's weird. We just had this conversation about the kid on the bike. And I was just like, all right, I'll see you later. And he's like, all right, I'll see, see you later. <laughs> And I just got in the truck, and that was it. And I didn't see him again. 1980, I ran into him. It was 76. I ran into him in 80. And then I ran into him. Uh, he came out to one of my shows, like, maybe two, three years ago. Yeah. Yeah, and we went, like, I saw him basically when we were eight years old, 12 years old, and then we were, like, 50. It was really <laughs> weird. But just that whole thing, the, the songs that he, the stuff that he was singing about, you know, uh, reminded me like when I was a kid you just you, your parents there weren't iPads they just sent you outside so you played in the woods and you know you lit shit on fire and, yes. and all that type of stuff and there was something about that well, it's, and it's, I love that line where he's laying in bed and he goes silly thoughts going through my head like the ABC's and like the you know the bugs that they were playing, just thinking about your day where you just didn't really have a worry in the world, no, and you, you were just all yeah. excited about what was mm-hmm. going to happen the next day. And what I like about that song is something I'm nervous about for my daughter. Is what I love about when I grew up was I was I actually could have a childhood where now I I feel like you know these fucking parents, man, they should all get a union and just all agree not to give their kids cell phones yeah. because you know you're going to have the fuck up parents who just banged without a condom and now they have a kid and they just shouldn't have been parents. And that kid's going to have a smartphone and and he is going to go to school and just the shit that kids are going to be... I mean, the, the fact that a kid can go on a cell phone and just... Look at murders, actual murders or porn and, and all. Like, oh, I, yeah. I honestly, I've learned as an adult, I never should have looked at that shit. Like, I, I did brain damage... <laughs> yeah, looking at that, like I should not have looked. You know, I was more of a porn guy. I stayed away from the the, the murder yeah, shit. But even the porn back then, you know, you were watching like you know what is it? Exit through the green door or fucking? Well, so much of it was hidden from with the pubic hair. I mean, you couldn't really see what was going <laughs> <Yeah>. on. <laughs> and, just, and, the, and the horrible lighting. It's like, just all hair. You're, yeah, you're like, is that my rabbi? Why are all the male porn stars Jewish? <laughs> and they're all named Herschel. Yeah, but like, um, I just think kids like, dude. Like I, I saw an article one time in uh, might have been Rolling Stone where they were talking about like boys who watch so much porn, but online porn never had any experience. By the time they're actually getting with the girl for the first time, they said their body doesn't respond. Mm-hmm. Literally, like they can't get it up. It's like because they watch so much 14, porn and they're, they're, they're so, so desensitized. desensitized. <sighs> yeah, I was. I, I remember. Mean, dude, what the fuck? And this is the thing. And then you do a Caitlyn Jenner joke, and then that's a fucking problem. Like. Like, I don't understand. I just think there's so much money being fucking made with some of this shit. Like, for the life of me, I can't understand how we're going after terrorism this hard, but we're ignoring the people that poisoned our own food supply. I mean, isn't that the biggest fucking terrorist act you could possibly fucking do? He and not, pu- not to mention treasonous behavior against your own fucking he wants people. To, yeah, he wants to put, he wants to put, they want to spend, I think, another $5 billion to get Space Force started, and then Flint, Michigan is still Flint, Michigan. It still has the water all fucked up. It just makes no sense. Yep. 
Yep. And you know what? We're never going to solve it, and it's fucking depressing. So let's say we wrap up this podcast and go smoke a cigar. Perfect. Slowly kill ourselves and get out of the way so we stop adding to global warming. Perfect. All right. Uh, <laughs> what What do you think? I'm going to ask two more questions. What do you think? Uh, who do you think influenced this record for Jack White? Like what made them? Who are the people that brought, you know, that got them to this point? Oh, I, I told you, you I don't go that deep into music, but I this this is one of these guys where you listen to him, him and Megan. You're like, these are people that did their homework, and I would think that if I was to ever meet him and ask him, like I, I, he would be bringing up all all kinds of obscure people. I mean, definitely, it seems hardcore, old school blues guys. BB yes. King, any of the kings, Further Albert back. King. Are Further you back. Talking I mean, about I mean, Robert like Johnson? That, that, that like, shit, we had to crank your own fucking phonograph. Yeah, well, um, there was that those stuff. Seventy-eight that, speed do, records. Like, do, I, I feel like he was listening. Um, yeah, to that shit. And then I also think that he probably had like you know old school country when country singers were like badasses and stuff. And 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 then I imagine a lot of the shit that I listen to. There's no way he probably could have avoided it when he went to the mall. Definitely the Stooges, definitely Led Zeppelin. That song that's just uh, dan, 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 dan. that reminded me of Sabbath. I heard Nirvana in this. Uh, Johnny Cash, hundred percent. Yeah, he's a badass. I actually uh, did an album with. Uh, I released an album through his his company, Third Man Records. When that I, was the uh, was it the Carnegie the Carnegie Hall one. Yeah, and uh, yeah, and his Third Man Records there in in Nashville. If you ever get a chance to go there and go see a show or anything, it's it's the coolest. You have a lot of similarities between you and Jack. You both worked in a warehouse, and you're both very pale. I noticed that. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, talent-wise, he's got me beat by you, a dude, by, you're by incredible. A, you're by incredible. A, you a, you a are. Miles, you miles. I, I, I will go. I will have a pasty leg contest with that gentleman. He, I think he's a little bit paler than you are. Which yeah, but, weird, I think that's, but I think that's because he stays in the studio till four in the morning. Probably, but you're in the writer's room for fucking 12 hours, but then you're sneaking out, coming to jam I wonder if us. he needs to do squats, too. He, he's in fantastic shape, dude. He's got to be. He just he never changes. He literally looks the same way. If you look at the album cover for the first White Stripes record to the last record he just put out, he hasn't changed. He still has the same haircut, the same look. And I think that's what I love about him. I think that I, I, I love that he's he's got that Miles Davis-esque style of of performance, which is I want to form a super group. I want to do this kind of music. I want to do an album with Loretta Lynn. You know what I mean? It's yeah. like he's challenging himself. And, you know, when he ended the White Stripes, I mean, it was the time. They had done everything. Right. They had done everything. And I don't what think is you... Meg doing? Who's she playing with now? Doesn't I, I was trying to find uh, about Meg. Um, I uh, I didn't do any research. On Watch. Her, there's going to be a Meg White album come out tomorrow. I hope so, man. No, just just the Beastie Boys shit. You know, I would love, I'd love to hear her play on an album again. Bam, there you go. I love Meg. I'm, I was a huge fan. I always thought she was cute, and I, I've always loved Jack. All right, here, last question. Let's go smoke. This is it. I just, I just love the sound of her drums and the way she plays them. Well, that's why I think it worked out perfectly that this was the record, because as soon as I listened to it, there was so much stuff that I thought, all right, here we go. Booyah. I don't know which one I should ask, because there's two of them that are good. I hand up like you, you're a preacher. All right. What song? Oh fuck, man! This is because the guy wrote this one, and I kind of like both of these. All right, which song on the album would you walk on stage to? If you had to walk on stage, I'm oh, the voice dude. of God, ladies and gentlemen. Well, this is what you have. All right, everybody, Josh no, Adamiers here. You have to understand what I walk on stage to, though. What do you walk on stage to? I mean, just, I, mean oh, I, I go <laughs> Valkyrie. <laughs> Valkyrie, Valkyrie. <laughs> okay, the inside joke for me. Which now will no longer be an inside joke, depending on how many people listen to this. That's going to be to, huge, dude. To get me into a stupid mood when I have a second show, because I'm an old man, to get me in a silly mood, I go out to Captain and to Neil. 
that do that, that to me one more for a girl like me. With a man like <laughs> and it always it's like clapping and then hearing the music like what the fuck and I never I don't address it. I just walk out and smile at him and start laughing. And that's what gets that's you the, present. That's well, it what? just no. It just puts me in this stupid fucking mood because you know I get tired quicker now. It's just yeah, being older. So it's like I got a second show, if I, and I, I have a kid. So I I try to fly in the day of. So if I have two shows, you know, I don't have any glutes, man. I mean, it's it's taking a lot out of me. <laughs> Sitting on these chicken cutlets, so, <laughs> so, <laughs> so that's what I usually I usually come out to. So, um, what are you what are you what walking I, out to? What's the one you walking out to off this record? We I guess it would be uh, no. I would I, I would go out to the Little Room song. Oh, that's a fucking badass one to come out to. Yeah. Actually, you know which one I would come out to? It would let them know how loud and obnoxious I'm going to be. I, I would go out to Union Forever, which is, uh, I also, I wanted to say this before people forgot. Union if I Forever. felt like I wasn't going to get paid, I would go out to, I think I smell a rat. <laughs> I'd go out to that. Depends on the kind of mood I was in. It was a. It was definitely, it was definitely, if I was going to come out, it would always still be Dead Leaves in the Dirty Ground. It's still, I just love that, that, you know, I can't, I, all I can hear is I can't is go the, out to a song, like his, powerful. most of his shit is, it's too cool to come out to, because it's like, I can't follow that vibe. Can I tell you something? Like I, I say, you know, sometimes, like, sometimes I'll go up at the improv, and yeah. you know, a few times they brought me up to, like, Back in Black, it's like, what am I going to do after that? <laughs> and it's just like, hey, uh, you know, Donald Trump's kind of crazy, right? Yeah. Just, like, it always, you just, you just pale in comparison, <laughs> kind of follow fucking Angus and Malcolm. This has been fantastic. I want to give you one little fact before we get out of here. Am I uh, going to get a factoid? Union Forever. That was a song where it's like, uh, uh, you know, it's, there is a man, a simple man. Every every lyric mm-hmm. in that song is from the movie Citizen Kane. Every word, that song, that there is oh, a Oh, yeah, I saw that video. Yeah. There's a man. I, thought that and I get- saw the Lego video. Well, you know what it was? like I, my laptop was filled up, so I couldn't fucking download the album. So I was I was watching it on YouTube, on the treadmill. So occasionally I would glance down, but I I I don't like the Lego video was cool, but like videos they distract me from the ultimate goal, which is hearing the music, right? Yes, I, I completely I, agree. I think that, that video. Like I think maybe that's why I never liked Fell in Love with the Girl because that was the song that was constantly being played on MTV and I was the one that liked Hotel Yorba or I liked Welcome to the Hotel Fucking Yorba (laughs) It's such a lovely place place. such a lovely place Oh, God. I love you, dude. Thank you so much for doing this. Thank you, brother. Thank you for having me I've got 400 and... 96 more albums So You know You're gonna be on At least Give me something obscure That I haven't uh, I wanted you to do Like that first Outcast one I would've loved to listen But you want somebody To be able to talk about it Like oh my god I was driving a fucking Ford no, Pinto. No, and I heard that song. No, I don't think so. I think where this really, I think it's when when we can match it up perfectly, we'll hit it out of the park. But I also think that like you breaking down an Annie Lennox record. I love Annie Lennox. See, that's what I'm talking about, man. She's so fucking badass. I love Annie. That's Lennox. good to know because she's got Annie like Lennox three albums. Never on done there. it. Another redheaded lead singer. She's Woo! not. <laughs> there you go. All right, thank you, buddy. gentlemen to keep up with all things bill burr go to his website billburr.com follow him 
Bill Burr on all social media, except for Instagram, which is Wilfred Burr. Also, I'll be posting his mixtape track listing on uh, social media and on all music platforms. And if you want to get in touch with the podcast, email us at 500podcast at gmail.com. Follow me on social media at Josh Adam Myers. Also, November 29th, I'm doing Shimmy Shimmy Ya at the Comedy Store in the main room. It's a super fun show where comedians give away real things from their life to audience members. November 29th at the Comedy Store. All tickets on my website at joshadammyers.com. And if you want to keep up with anything involved with the podcast, go to the500podcast.com. Also, we've got one of our first live shows coming up. It's going to be at Moon Tower Comedy Fest. We're doing a live 500 taping in April. Tickets are available. We'll have the link on the website to uh, buy passes to Moon Tower Comedy Festival. If you've never been to Moon Tower, it's an incredible festival. So make sure you get your passes, and we will see you in the spring in Austin. Also, we created a club. We call it the 500 Club. In it, we're giving away merch like T-shirts, hoodies. We'll give you opportunities for live chats with me and my guests. Join the movement, guys. The 500 Club is the shit. And as long as you sign up to join the club, you get access to full uncut episodes, interview extras, all one day early on Record Store Tuesdays beginning in December. We show some of those OGs that have been with us from the beginning. They get everything and some extra, extra love. The500podcast.com for all details on Patreon membership options to support The 500. Now, we just listened to The White Stripes from 2001. Now, here is an artist that is directly influenced by this album. From Seattle, Washington, we have Night Beats and their 2018 single, Her Cold, Cold Heart. And if you're in a band and were directly influenced by one of these albums or artists and you want your music featured on the 500, send your song to 500podcast at gmail.com. Make sure you put the album and artist that was influenced in the subject line. Send us your music. We'll play it on the podcast. Next week is Boz Skaggs' 1969 self-titled debut coming in at number 496. So you guys have some homework to do. Thanks for tuning in.
Hey everyone, this is Tuck from Fit for a King in Off-Road Minivan. Every week I bring you fun interviews alongside your favorite metalcore entertainers with my new podcast, Get Tucked. Join me every Monday with bands like Counterparts, Crystal Lake, like Moths to Flames, and many more. We play unsigned and undiscovered bands, deep dive into each artist's history, and of course provide the greatest breakdowns in current metalcore. Tune in to Get Tucked every Monday, out now through Sound Talent Media. Well, hey friends, my name is Zach Lupiton. You may know me from the band Dust Bowl Revival, but I also host a music discovery podcast called The Show on the Road. For the last five seasons, I've been able to dive deep and have intimate chats with folks like the Lumineers, Andy DeFranco, Wolfpack, Keb Moe, Lake Street Dive, Bela Fleck, and more. So guess what? After 150 conversations with some of my favorite songwriters from around the world, we are bringing brand new episodes to the Osiris Network. New interviews and intimate acoustic performances will be coming at you this summer. And which episodes are coming next, you ask? I am Zach Goody, the lead singer for the band Smash Mouth. Our band is called Milky Chance. We are based in Berlin. My name is David Shaw. I sing and write songs with my band, The Revivalists. Trust me, these conversations go some wild places. So subscribe to the show on the road on Osiris, and we'll see you soon. Next Chapter Podcasts.